0: Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed.
1: So right off the gate, little Matt Lauer stuff. Office of sescap- sexcapades, known to media elites who roared with laughter over lewd jokes in 2008 roast. Another one. New York Times opinion, the Lauer accusation, put the media sexism that contributed to Hillary Clinton's loss in sharper focus. Byron York, now we know it wasn't the Russians, it was Matt Lauer. From a New York Times columnist, the men who cost Hillary Clinton the election. Actual article. And somehow, some way, the people that told you to vote for them, or for her, they're the reason why she lost because they're sexist picks now. Matt Lauer, Mark Halpern, etc. Yeah. So that's the Matt Lauer stuff. Here we go into the next batch of sexual harassment people. New York Times is out with a new bombshell piece in Harvey Weinstein with this delicious revelation. Lena Dunham and Tina Brown reportedly warned Hillary Clinton and the campaign that Harvey Weinstein was a rapist, yet Hillary persisted in cashing his checks anyway, that is going to hit the New York Times it's all over the place, WikiLeaks says she warned Clinton campaign about Harvey Weinstein, but was ignored it's everywhere and of course the regular people the regular blue check you know reporters, they're like, oh no there's nothing wrong with it, but the rest of the world are like, there it is she's a Clinton, take money you can fucking kill the Pope, as long as you give her a check. Here's another one. The Democratic sex arrest congressman ABC and NBC won't tell you about. If even Nancy Pelosi thinks sexual harassment accusation against sitting Democratic congressman Ruben Cahoon are serious enough that he should resign, have, why hasn't ABC and NBC covered? it?
2: Cahoon.
1: Multiple. Multiple. They didn't cover it. But the media covered and protected Conyer and Franken. But it looks like the American people said something different. Here's Franken.
2: I felt that we had entered an important moment in the history of this country. We were finally beginning to listen to women about the ways in which men's actions affect them. The moment was long overdue. I was excited for that conversation and hopeful that it would result in real change that made life better for women all across the country and in every part of our society. Then the conversation turned to me. Over the last few weeks, a number of women have come forward to talk about how they felt my actions that affected them. I was I was shocked, I was upset. But in responding to their claims I also wanted to be respectful of that broader conversation because all women deserve to be heard and their experiences taken seriously.
3: As we have this national reckoning with sexual assault and harassment, it's reasonable to hold the people who represent us in Congress and elsewhere to a high standard. Um, And I think that while concerns about due process are certainly valid, it's also true that this wasn't a criminal case. And so it's reasonable for us to ask Franken to... You know, some some of his colleagues asked him to resign. Some argued that the some, actually a few of them didn't, but that's about right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. Some some suggested that this ethics committee investigation should go forward, but I don't think that justice has been ill served by his departure. Huh. I
4: am really um discomfited by this process, and I'm going to explain why we have a situation right now. And I'm not, by the way, um I thought it was totally appropriate for Congressman Conyers to resign. And by the way, we have another Republican Congressman, Blake Farenthold, who paid a 84, he didn't pay it, an $84,000 settlement of a sexual harassment claim was paid out of the government treasury. I believe he now says he'll foot the bill. But be that as it may, if you settle a sexual harassment case, Uh, You can't complain about lack of due process. With um, Congressman Conyers, there were very credible and on-the-record claims of people who claimed very serious forms of sexual harassment. And I just want to say all forms of sexual harassment and assault are serious, but there is a continuum. I'm uncomfortable, not necessarily with a process that would end with Senator Franken's resignation, but I'm concerned with how this process has been speeded up, and you correctly pointed out that this is not a criminal case, and so we don't have to prove him guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But that doesn't mean that due process concerns aren't implicated here, and we do have a process. The process is called the Senate Ethics Committee. He is being run out of town, essentially, um, from some uh, complaints that are on the record and some complaints that are anonymous, that gives me pause. It gives me pause that we have, for example, one of his colleagues, a Democratic Senator Bob Menendez from New Jersey, is under criminal indictment and the Senate is waiting to act on him while his, uh, he, he was found, um, the jury hung in the first trial, he may be retried. In any event, whatever happens with that, the Ethics Committee will look at his process. I'm a little concerned that this um, is so speeded up in the case of sexual harassment, though I would agree that normally, uh, under the previous circumstances, things have been the opposite of speeded up, way too slowed down. Um, And I'm also a little concerned that we're basically punishing every act of misconduct with the same essentially political death sentence
3: here. You say political death sentence. I mean, when we talk about due process. It, it's very easy to slip into a mindset of, of, you know, crime and punishment, right? And I think that the the point that I would make is that I don't think it's a death sentence, in metaphorically I, at all. I just he's he's holding a highly prestigious office. He has, as he said, he you know has had the great honor to represent the people of Minnesota. That his having to step down from that office doesn't strike me as anywhere close to a death sentence. He's stated that he intends to remain involved in politics in other ways. So I, I don't think that this is a case of sort of ritual stoning or anything of that sort. It's just that he's shown himself to perhaps not be able or not be able to hold this office that has been bestowed upon.
1: Yeah, he is on the brink. Minnesota Democratic Al Franken facing fresh allegations of sexual misconduct and vanishing support for fellow Democrats appears to be on the brink of resigning from the Senate. A Democratic official who spoke to Franken and key aides told NPR News Franken will resign Thursday. He expected to make a speech from the Senate floor at 1045. NPR News will carry it live. And that was the speech. At no time during the speech did he ever say he did anything wrong. And this made people lose it. Rosie O'Donnell, traitor, predator, stupid fool, over a tweet he did. One dumb criminal decision after another, hurting humans for sport and financial gain. Can't wait till you're in jail. She lost it. Just lost it. Somebody said one dumb tweet after another, hurting my brain for sport and ego again. Can't wait till you use spell (laughs) check. She spelled predator wrong. Wow, how has anyone mentioned you have an unhealthy obsession with him? And then the rest of Hollywood lost it. Feminist actress Betty Buckley, best known for her work on Broadway, panicked when Franken's Twitter account announced a speech today, replying, don't quit, Senator, we need you. This is the same actress that threw a concert to benefit Planned Parenthood in January. Mad TV Mo Collins tweeted out, thoroughly disparaged by Dems' call for his resignation without the same standards of ethic directed towards Donald Trump, of course. Well, he's he did something bad, but look at Trump. is still her defense. Tom Arnold tweeted that Leanne Tweeden's story was coached and staged by her coworkers. I'm disappointed with my friend Leanne Tweeden, her partner at KABC, John Phillips, and Roger Stone, pal, and they coached her for weeks to bring Al Franken down. Yeah, okay. Maggie Glennon Hall posted before Franklin announced resignation, if Al Franken is going to resign tomorrow, I think you should do it, on the condition that there are congressional hearings about real Donald Trump's sexual misconduct. John Cusack took the sentiments a little farther, arguing that it was the purpose of the Democratic Party to force Trump to resign from office. Dem leadership could call for Trump to resign, or they should resign every day. Mm-hmm. But normal people... That wasn't a resignation speech. It was a sucker punch. Franken hasn't resigned. Matt Dow's big takeaway from Franken's resignation. One of the most important things Franken said, irony that I am leaving while a man who has bragged on tape about his history of sexual assault sits in the Oval Office and a man who has repeatedly preyed on young girls' campaigns for Senate with the full support of his party. Looks like Franken is trying to temporize in the coming weeks he'll resign. He's hoping that Roy Moore wins and is seated and he'll be able to reverse his resignation. Sonny Bunch, shorter, Franken, I did not touch her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, Senate. Priscilla Pillen, important to note in his carefully crafted speech is that he announced his intention to resign in the coming weeks. I don't trust we've heard the last of him, probably planning to smear the victims, disingenuous Al Franken. He never really resigned. The media carried like the, he was going to resign. Fact is, he's just not going to run. And they're still trying to play out, well, if Ron Moore wins, we could sit there and say he didn't do anything worse than Ron Moore. And that's the Dems' defense, because what are they going to go with? There's now 33 Dems, one Republican. The American people aren't stupid. Peter Dow with Al Franken showing moral leadership resigning now is a culture and political movement for the mainstream media to mint and apologize for systematic misogyny, sexism, and the coverage of Hillary Clinton. Every last reporter, commentator, editor, talking head owes her apology and they owe us one as well. Somebody who is still in the Hillary camp, correct? It was sexism and misogyny that forced her to use an unauthorized server for classified information, then lie about it. Then forced her to never campaign in Wisconsin. These people are fucking just crazy over this shit because they got no place to go. No place to go. And he only made this speech because finally Senator Gillibrand, the woman's choice, going to run for president, she's so brave. Would Senator Gillibrand ask Senator Franken to resign? I am not going to say that today, but it's something I'm very troubled about. She still wouldn't commit, but that changed. Nancy Pelosi changed. They all stopped supporting him. And I think the leadership is pretty much telling them, you got to go, bro. We got to do something. Washington Post opinion. Franken resignation shows that only one of our two great parties has any integrity? People quickly replied The party of Ted Kennedy, Chris Dodd, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, John Conyor, and Al Franken has integrity? Neon taser. Alternative headline Franken's resignation shows that only one of our two parties will reluctantly push one of its members out after seven women accuse him of sexual misconduct. <laughs> because otherwise they look like giant hypocrites. And he's right. Somebody else up brought Bob Menendez. It's a full article. WAPO was not pleased with this. New York Times. The front of the Thursday's New York Times anticipated today's resignation by Franken over sexual harassment allegations by working hard to make it a bipartisan scandal and even allow the Democratic Party to claim the high ground. Despite the fact that the two most prominent sitting congressmen under fire for harassment are Democrats, the other being veteran Michigan Rep. Representative John Conyer and no mention of Bill Clinton or Ted Kennedy. Reporter Yamichi Alcindor and Nicholas Fandos Reported under a headline that made sure to give congressional Democrats full points for being tough on themselves. A Democrat chorus, Frankish's design. The text box also praised the Democrats, a party that appears intent to hold the high ground. Yeah. 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 They, They have the high ground. Article goes on and on. And as you would guess, here's the media coverage of it. CBS, irony and mourning over him leaving. Brokaw, the rush to judgment. Only GOP gets rush to judgment for Tom Brokaw. MSDNC, GOP, the party of pedophiles. are still running that over there. Chucky e. Toad, working for the Dems, with the Dems have the high ground angle. And CNN, it's all a conspiracy. When a Democrat gets accused of sexual harassment, it's a conspiracy. When a Republican does it, it's pedophilia. Enjoy.
4: Quite an emotional... A speech from the senator who, up until a couple of weeks ago, believed that he could still keep his job. Right, and it's a, a big blow to the Democratic Party
5: writ large. There are a lot of long faces around here today. Al Franken is one of very few Democrats in Congress who can truly claim to have had a nationwide progressive profile. He had a national voice. He was sought after as a campaign surrogate. And he was even viewed as someone who could potentially uh, run for president in 2020. So to have him fall so fast in just a matter of weeks is uh, very disappointing to the entire party.
4: We want to go now to Minneapolis, uh, to Minnesota, his home state,
3: and get reaction there
5: Bianna, I can tell you the word I keep hearing over and over
3: again is disappointment. There are a number of people who didn't want to see him step down, that they thought that this was something that the, the Republican Party had kind of pushed and that they wanted him to just continue on as a senator. People were very proud of the work that he was doing within the Senate, the people here in Minnesota specifically. So this is a very
4: disappointing day for people here. So that's it the end to a potentially storied career ended
3: by sexual accusations. I was
6: so struck by this case particularly because there was, on the part of the Democratic Party, a determination and a kind of a rush, if you will, to have the senator resign so they didn't have the burden of trying to defend him as they go forward. But at the same time, there were people who were making accusations against him who did not come forward and identify themselves, and we don't even know what their objections were. It does not mean that Al Franken wasn't guilty of abusing his place, especially with the first woman who came forward um, with whom he was on a UFO tour, and there was that very damning picture that we saw. But I do think that the Senate and the institutions of governance and those of us in this business as well have to agree to a kind of codification of what is objectionable and which sh- how people should be held responsible for it. Well, and and Tom. There
7: does seem to be a rush to judgment in this case, but immediately people jump on you and say any kind of harassment is too much to handle. One reason I think the Democrats finally decided they would tell uh, Senator Franken that he had to resign was because they want to make that contrast. They did not want to. I'm
6: feeling for Fran here.
7: They did not want to spend their capital. She looks really sad.
6: Look at that picture. Yeah, it's such a sad picture for her. this well. is that
7: picture and you know the fact is Al Franken was an effective senator, has been an effective senator uh, got reelected easily after that very narrow first first contest, but Democrats decided they had to encourage him to resign because they want this big contrast with the other party and they want it to help them next year when Republicans are standing with perhaps Senator Roy Moore and Democrats have Forced members of Congress, Al Franken, John Conyers, perhaps others to come, mm. to resign. That, that
3: was the thing by which Republicans hung Bill Clinton on a hook. Yeah. That he was, that he was a liar, uh, that he was immoral uh and that that he had dishonored younger he, he we, had dishonored no, the president no he,
6: he went down he, as young as 22 <laughs> this guy's down at 14 <laughs> the new republican age of consent is 14 if this guy wins anyway they're i don't want to laugh but it's horrible it's just so ludicrous that they're running this kind of platform
8: this is about creating a huge contrast so democrats in the senate It almost feels orchestrated the way it's come out here. We'll see what Franken does tomorrow, but it looks like resignation is there. So they're cleaning house while the Republican Party looks like they're doubling down. And I think that's the contrast. You know, the Democrats are looking to get their higher ground back on this issue, Uh, calling and having it being led by the women of the U.S. Senate allows them, I think, to build their high ground again uh, after sort of frankly, fumbling the Conyers and Franken issues for the, the last Frank, two weeks. The
9: Franken case has always been complicated to me because that photograph was in incredibly poor taste. I am not defending it. But that is not something for which someone resigns from the United States Senate. I mean, I've parsed that picture. There are shadows behind his fingers. I'm not convinced he was touching her Kevlar vest. He was posing. Or he wouldn't have been looking at the camera with that blank, eating grin on his face. Was it in poor taste? It was in poor taste. A resignable offense? No. So I get beyond the picture, and now I want to know about these other incidents. And look, he's not
7: admitting to anything. It it kind of begs the question: Why isn't he staying in? Indeed, and Ruth Marcus is here. Ruth, you have written and thought about all of these issues very deeply. Uh, Al Franken was even being discussed as a potential 2020 candidate. His best-selling book had come out. He was really in the you know the prime of his political life we are in the middle of this revolution
4: and in every revolution there are moments of excess and I have some real serious concerns about whether this is one of them here representative Conyers, senator franken they dealt with them so for democrats in terms of short-term political benefit this is a good outcome for senator franken for justice and in some way maybe for women I'm not so confident that this is a good outcome, because uh, Tom raised the question of uh, what do we do? He doesn't have as much process as a dope peddler. We have a sitting United States Senator, Senator Menendez, who is under indictment, who's been in a criminal trial, who may be retried. He is going to get the benefit of the ethics process, benefit that Senator Franken is not getting. And I still think we are just tiptoeing our way through this minefield here trying to sort out what the proper response is. We say zero tolerance. Does that mean that every act deserves the death penalty, which was what we saw for Senator Franken here, is the political death?
1: They're mourning. They can't handle it. To, to Conyer, Monday rally plan to support U.S. Representative John Conyer, a bunch of African-American supporters and Women's March people. We're going to go out and support that guy because it doesn't matter. That he has sexually harassed all sorts of people. They don't seem to care. Who else has come under? Director Brian Singer accused of sexual harassment. Yeah. Yeah, There's another dim. It just keeps coming. Just keeps coming. Former employees of top editor for National Enquirer, U.S. Weekly, and other major gossip publications said he openly described his sexual partners in newsrooms. Disgust. That's Megan Kennard. Yeah. The person is Dylan Howard, and that's another one who's a Dem. Former Democratic Congressman Harold Ford Jr. has been terminated for misconduct by Morgan Stanley. Sexual harassment, he's a Dem, from a full family of Dems. But tell me once again how GOP doesn't have the high ground? I'm still wondering. Can can somebody tell me... Where that is, because I can't find it. I find a bunch of people sexually harassing. So on the sexual harassment front, we're going to let S.E. Cup take us out, and then we're going to go into the tax bill. Oh, Jesus.
3: You're talking about politics, and so everything is in that context, uh, but the allegations against both of these men are very serious. I can feel so your things. body
5: language. Uh, well, two things. <laughs> that. Resignation speech was so self-serving. It was I, 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 me, me, me. Here's what I've done. I won my first election by 320 uh, some votes. Who cares? If you're a woman who felt violated by Al Franken, you think you're, you, that's, that's some, somehow, uh, you know, reassuring to you. Right. That makes it better. Right. There was nothing about this that was focused on the victims and also Al Franken doesn't know the meaning of irony because it's not ironic that Roy Moore and and Donald Trump are 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 still okay it's it's unfair it's unjust but not the meaning of irony I will say I will say what this sets up now this unprecedented 30 plus Democrats coming together most of them women to tell Senator Franken he had to go what this sets up and I hope Republican women in the Senate are listening. Hmm. Deb Fischer, Murkowski, Collins, uh, uh, Moore, uh, Capito, and and Joni Ernst. When Roy Moore is elected, and I believe he will be, you can do the same thing. You can do the same thing that these women Democrat senators did to their own guy. And you can say, I don't want to serve with this guy. Yep. I don't like the allegations. And they're, st- they're, they're, they're just allegations, just like Frankens mm-hmm. uh, corroborated. I don't want to serve. You have the same opportunity. And men, too, by the way. I will be interested to see if they if they can rise up, whether for politics or not. It's still the right thing to do.
7: Former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers
5: responding to the tax bill and the impact that it could have on health care coverage. In a new op-ed out overnight, it's called, Yes, the Senate GOP Tax Plan Would Cause Thousands to Die. But do you want to explain your latest op-ed?
9: Look, I think this bill is very dangerous. There's pretty clear evidence looking across different states and looking when health insurance has been phased in and out. When people lose health insurance, they're less likely to get preventive care, they're more likely to defer health care they need, and ultimately they're more likely to die. And it's very hard to quantify precisely. My piece explains why an estimate that thousands will die uh, as a consequence of this bill is actually a very conservative uh, estimate. done much, much more carefully, based on much more rigorous evidence than the absurd claims made by some that this bill will somehow pay for itself.
1: Thousands will die. No hyperbole there. They are playing like this is the end of days, and we've done tax cuts before. Democrats have done tax cuts, but they have no other angles other than Trump's a Nazi, all GOP are pedophile, taxes are for the rich. The economy is only doing well because of Obama after a year. Yeah, they got to do that even though, you know, for like eight years Obama blamed Bush. Matt Dowd's take. So the GOP, which long claimed Christian values, has now fully gone in on everything Jesus warned us against. Greed, hypocrisy, division, lack of compassion for the vulnerable. Wow, I wonder if they can get a refund on their Bibles. Somebody said, solid week for ABC News talking heads. Eric Erickson sums it up. This is ABC News chief political analyst, not for the Democrats, but supposedly objective. Same network that misrepresented Flynn's news yesterday. You wait for the Ross story. And there's others. There's another one from CNN. There's one from Moapo. It's nonstop. The hate after one year anniversary and they didn't get him out of office is killing them. But it didn't stop. Well, I gotta read one more. I can't go away from those. Cutting taxes mean you hate the poor and want them to starve to death in the gutters to be eaten by rats just like in Dishonored. Also, you made baby Jesus cry. <laughs> the Palmer Report millions of Americans died tonight so did the career of every one of these psychotic, drooling animals in the Republican Party this was mass murder they all belong in prison we'll settle for destroying their careers in the traitor's party 51 goddamn traitors committed mass murder in the Senate tonight they'll burn in hell for it we'll vote every last one of these Republicans out every last one of these fuckers they can share prison cell with Trump America has been conquered by Republican traitors in the Senate tonight take to the fucking streets in the morning occupy every space you legally can we're retaking this country with Republican criminals right now we'll force the all to resign. Lastly, John McCain will go down in history as a goddamn traitor and a mass murderer. Fuck him, John McCain, who just weeks ago was a hero for killing the repeal of Obamacare and, and for killing bans and for killing. Okay, now he's bad again. You people can't make up your mind. Palmer Report kept going. The Republican in Congress don't no lead, no longer need Donald Trump for anything. They won't. Lift a finger to protect him from here on out. We just gained the momentum, ammunition, excuse me, to clean up the 2018 midterms. Take the White House in 2020.
10: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Neon taser. The Trump-Russia conspiracy wing is taking this tax bill well. (laughs) Matt Dowd again. Any tax savings that I I might get from this unfair and mean-spirited GOP bill, I will donate to charities to help the poor and vulnerable. Who is with me? Wow, having Americans pool their money to help the common good. That's a concept. This is the point of government, Einstein. The point of government is forced charity? Who knew? The point of government is forced charity? Who knew? About 80 of them. Back to him. Should government pay for infrastructure? Should government for... And, and then he went down. I'm not even reading the rest. Matt Dadd went on a screen just like the Palmer Report. report. Went just on a screen. You didn't build that. You small business are only a small business because we've made roads for you, you fucker. They are just fucking insane. Then there's Mueller, Tom Fenton. New Justice Department records show strong support by Mueller, Deputy Andrew Weissman, other top DOJ officials for Yates' refusal to enforce real Donald Trump travel ban. By the end of this screed, An FBI agent's been released. Judicial Watch has all sorts of pages showing the Mueller stuff is all anti-Trump people. That's all he's brought in. It's a hot mess, and that's grinding to a halt with the American people. Totally grinding to the halt. They have email proof of Sally Yates talking poorly about Trump, and she's on it. So they can't win for losing. Can't win for losing. And the tax bill isn't going to do anything other than any other tax cut ever did. There'll be a tax raise. Democrats can do it. And they'll be the party to do it. I just want you all to remember, Bill Clinton wouldn't have been President of the United States had George W. Bush not let the Democrats con him into a tax bill that raised taxes on the American people. He broke his promise. That's how Bill Clinton got elected. Do you remember that? But ever since Bush, they've ran that cutting taxes and helping the American people only helps the rich, <clears throat> for some reason. Tax credits only help the rich. That re, refund, the the rebate checks we all got. J- George Bush was killing the country all of a sudden because they're fiscal hawks, and he was helping the rich, even though you and I both got checks, even though it came out of next year's taxes. It was a check of money, so you install, so can. And spur the economy and it worked. So, you, you know, these people, Jesus fucking Christ, to the tweet of the day. <laughs> So, with the Supreme Court going into the craziness, so sayeth the left, of actually listening to one of these cake cases and the religious, conf, you know, the l- religious problems with that, the left lost their mind. Bake the cake, bigot. Cake bake it, man. We are so damn tired of this cake nonsense. What happened to adults being adults and if they can get a service they want at one private company, they just go to another? Oh yeah, progressives happen great article, so that's why I'm reading it. Our bad. Today, the Supreme Court is hearing the Masterpiece Cake Shop case, and so every so-called oppressed SJW unicorn on the planet is screeching in the tag, hashtag Masterpiece Cake Shop, about how evil Jack Phillips is for not baking a cake, including the ACLU, which is totes absorbed with their colorful little posters, not to mention they clearly got the diversity memo right out the gate. We're back at SCOTUS this morning to argue the business that can't turn customers away because of who they love open to all yeah somebody says we're back at school this morning to argue that government can force private citizens of businesses to sell products that are directly opposed to religion and values artist Angie as an artist I'm not required to draw you anything I can turn down your business for any number of reasons I can be too busy you can be too high maintenance for the price you cannot force others to talents others talents to your will I like how leftists are about choice when it comes to another human living or dying, but not when it comes to how, when we are own God-given talents. My not making your penis drawing is not actually ending your life. Listen, our marriage will have no effect on you, but if you don't make us a wedding cake, we're going to destroy your business. Masterpiece Cake Shop. Sounds about right. Carrie Kupik. Cake artist Jack Phillips serves everyone, doesn't create custom cakes for events that violate his faith. Offered to serve guys, suing him. Anything else in the shop, I'm sorry. You'll need to try the bakery the next block over. We'll see you in the Supreme Court. That's exactly how it went. Nancy Pelosi. The true story of America is a story that celebrates the constant march of progress towards full and equal rights for all people. Yet the rights of LGBT people remain under attack across The country. That's a lie. As a gay Catholic, I believe the right to religious expression is far more under attack than any gay bullshit. Stop with your stupidity. Exactly what LGBT rights are under threat. You are lying. A Twitter follower said. And I agree 100%. Nothing is being taken from anybody's rights over a fucking cape. Nothing. Nothing. I could read you a thousand tweets from libs losing their mind over the gay cake. But as we've shown on the fucking show, folks, it's nothing to do with the cake, has nothing to do with the rights. This is the mafia. We'll see later. The mafia got a porn star killed. The mafia will ruin everybody's lives. It's not about marriage. It's about you will accept my norms. You will forsake your religion, and you will side with us, or we'll put you out of business. But our tweet of the day is from Sports Illustrated. Houston Strong, congratulations to JJ Watts and Jose Alvey27, Sports Person of the Year. I had to make it our tweet of the day, because in this ye- current world of anti-Trumpism and all this shit, most of the time, you have to be a gay person or Colin Kaepernick to get a time, you know, to get a person of a year, that's who you have to be. You have to be against American values or wanting to change all American values, I guess in their case, to be a person of the year. So to Sports Illustrated, for finally once actually doing athletes that are doing great things, that's a tweet of the day. A lot of celebrity hate this week. Jennifer Lawrence, if I meet Trump, it'll end with a martini in his face. This is The Hill. A supposed non-partisan Washington, D.C. paper. Okay. L.B. Beyond beyond reason doubt a woman a picture of Lawrence saying I'll put it in martini in his face and a picture of Lawrence in the New York Post Jennifer Lawrence says Harvey Weinstein was paternal to her okay okay so one person's bad because he's a sexist but the guy that raped people and jerked off on ferns is good got it French ambassador on Pearl Harbor Day. Actual tweet. In the Pearl Harbor Day, we should remember the U.S. refused to side with France and U.K. to confront the fascist powers in the 30s. Seth Mandel. Holy crap. That is the ambassador from France
2: to the United States.
1: Stay classy, Frenchies. Then we got what I talked about, August Ames. Don't know who she is, but she's a porn star, 23 years old. I'm going to condense this down so I don't have to really get into the deep end of the pool on this, but she refused to have porn sex, which isn't real sex. Sorry for my listeners are into porn out there. It's just like wrestling. It's fake. With guys that were duels, they have sex in the gay industry because they make more money, and then they have sex in the straight industry. It's a proven fact, statistically proven, not homophobic, that the AIDS level in gay porn stars is higher than straight ones. And with an outbreak recently with a gay porn star, this porn actress, a woman... She was mixed, white and Latino, chose not to have sex with those men. She told all the directors, I will only have sex with straight porn men. She then was attacked mercilessly by the gay mafia. Sir Jackson Wheeler, I guess a gay porn star, the world is waiting for your apology or for you to swallow a cyanide pill. Either or will take it. Another guy who I've never heard of, but a gay porn star. He was very happy. Maybe try realizing what you did was wrong and being genuinely sorry instead of rushing to defend yourself. Just shows how guilty you know you are. Her body or choice, or so does that not matter because she has a different view than you? Were the replies to this dude, Bruce Beckham. And what he said was, on Monday I called it a homophobic performer for her ignorance and uneducated bias. She allegedly chose to end her own life when she was exposed to the same vitriol that gay people have been exposed to globally for decades. Original tweet below. So, my question and why I put it in the hate, because in any other circumstance... A, this is bullying B, she's a woman but all that's trumped by the gay mafia they get separate rules so it doesn't matter that she's technically a woman of color doesn't matter that she's a woman doesn't matter that this was bullying that caused a suicide they're gay so they can get away with whatever they want is that what you're telling me? seriously seriously What I've been saying, what have I been saying for almost two years on this show, folks? The gay mafia is insane. They will railroad everybody out. They will treat everybody like shit. They truly are without boundaries. And this was ignored in the media. If she was a Democrat, it would not have been. Antonia Okafor. Although the group hosting the event previously received email approval, an administrator waited until the day of the event to deny a contract request form saying the Second Amendment is a very controversial subject. This was at a college. She was not allowed to speak. She is a woman of color. Media ignored. Count David Atkins, a regular contributor to Washington Monthly, among those not happy with the Senate passage of the GOP reform bill, which would effectively kill the state and local income tax deduction, a move that would be felt most strongly in the pocketbooks of those living in high-tax blue states. Democrats should implement a tax penalty on people in states that take more from the federal government than they give back. I'm not kidding. That led to a back-and-forth with Zach Zoplin, an investigator with the Government Accountability Office. Oh, no, you missed the point of the entire bill, which is not to give money to poor Republicans, but to take everyone's money and give it to the mega-rich, he said jokingly. And this is how this ended. Remember, this is a Democrat. I absolutely want revenge on middle upper class white male Oklahoma suburban Trump voters making 70K in low tax states, trying to force California to slash our education spending while taking our money. That's an actual tweet from a Democratic talking head. I want revenge on white male Oklahoma suburban Trump voters. I want you to go back to 2012, boys and girls. I want you to go back to Sandra Fluke. I want you to go back that Rush Limbaugh was on the nightly news for an entire week because he called her a slut. This guy wants revenge on white people. Did you hear about it? They're the same people. Guy has a radio show. Hmm. Atlantic Magazine, the odds of impeachment are dropping. That was a couple articles this week. And I say it with hate. Because they're saying it very depressively, Donald J. Trump. I've determined that it's time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. I am also directing the State Department to begin preparation to move the American Embassy to Tel Aviv from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. I should have prefaced this because this is the hate of the week. The left lost it, <clears throat> but I want to make sure. I want to make sure. That Casey Dillon's tweet is read first. The people that call Trump a Nazi are the same people condemning him from recognizing the true capital of a Jewish state. I want don't you to remember that? You thought on your nightly news, they had talking heads on CNN, MSDNC, NBC, ABC, CBS, disparaging this move, that it's a horrible move, because the Palestinian angle, I'm assuming, and they call him a Nazi. So if he's a Nazi, why would he do that? See, they have circular logic. They're living in an Excel spreadsheet they can't get out of because they can't win. So they keep on just coming up with crazy shit, and most of it circles back on the previous shit, and it doesn't make any sense. Frankly speaking, is the Twitter handler. I'm sure the next Charles Blow New York time piece will do a great job on the mental gymnastics comparing Trump to Hitler. Mark Landler and David Halfringber from New York Times. U.S. to recognize Jerusalem as Israeli capital. Trump says alarming Middle East leaders. President Trump, blah, 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 blah. In their call had given shape to the worst fears of Palestinians. The United States would break with decades of practice and longstanding international consensus by recognizing Jerusalem as Israeli capital. And here we go again with the left cuddling the fuck up. The terrorists. They hate America too. Makes sense to me. Kyle Griffin, House overly votes to kill resolution from Democratic lawmaker to impeach President Trump. Pelosi Hoyer joint statement on impeachment resolution. Now they're trying to get in there and make it happen. It's not going to happen, boys and girls. You don't have a goddamn case. Yeah. But they think they do. Because this is their mindset, boys and girls. Chelsea Handler shows us their mindset. Just evacuated my house. It's like Donald Trump is setting the world on fire, literally and figuratively. Stay safe, everyone, dark times. Somehow, someway, the fire out there is Donald Trump's fault. When that wasn't happening on these fires, NBC Four just reported that Rupert Murdoch's home is on fire. Properties a 30 million vineyard and mansion. Oh, you know, the rocks got tipped over and fucking social justice warriors came out. Fortunate for Murdoch, climate change is a myth, was an angle they went from. My only hope about Murdoch's mansion is that he's present inside and can't get out. There's 30 or 40 of them. When you want the skill car, skill block fire to end, but when find out it's going to burn down Murdoch's house, smiley face. Do you know that if any Republicans ever did that or tea partiers during the time of Obama or truthers or birthers, well not truthers because the left was all truthers, I meant birthers, said shit like this, you know and make your evening news. You know and make it. Jennifer Jacob, women have had it with bosses and coworkers who not only cross boundaries but don't even seem to know the boundaries exist. These silence breakers have started a revolution of refusal, gathering strength by the day. Because time, instead of Colin Kaepernick, got the Me Too person of the year. Five women who have come forward and said they were sexually harassed. Nowhere in here was Gretchen Carlson. She's the actual one that started. But Gretchen Carlson came from Fox Gretchen Carlson is now part of the Devil's Brigade because she came from Fox. Yasher Ali, I'm really disappointed. The time did not mention Gretchen Carlson in the story. She probably took on Roger Ailes, ignited a national conversation. The New York Times would not have done their Bill O'Reilly story, but went for her, which led to their Weinstein investigation. And today, Gretchen Carlson is in D.C. introducing legislation to deal with the terrible, terrible arbitration clauses that prevent women from getting the justice they deserve when they've been victims of misconduct in the worst place. They didn't even mention her in passing. It's astounding. I know Taylor Swift was included on the cover to sell magazines, and I'm not going to take away from anyone's experience, but she has never posted on her powerful social media platform about Me Too, not even once. I should have probably put that over an hypocrisy, shouldn't I? But it's hate. <clears throat> She's a conservative woman. So even in sexual harassment cases, conservative women are not included. Got it. Jennifer Wright, for fuck's sakes, fetuses aren't babies. Pretending they are is wishful thinking. They're the size of lemons and can't survive on their own. You don't know any humans who are lemon-sized. That's a fucking doctor. A doctor. People actually center fetus, an unborn offspring of a mammal. In particular, an unborn human baby more than eight weeks after conception. That's the fucking definition. Websters. But not to the crazy, we like to kill people. Oh yeah. On to hypocrisy,
2: it's a juicy one.
10: HIPOCRISY!
1: We're going to start with a little fake news, go to a big fake news, and then another fake news, and then another fake news. Back to back to back. The first one, CNN. Corey Lubinowski. yes, I steamed Trump's pants while he was still wearing them. This is superimposed next to a Jim Acosta Tweet. We are real news, Mr. President. Newsday. Former Trump campaign manager Corey Luminoski says he used to steam the then candidate suit. Everybody does everything on a campaign. That was a whole day's conversation at CNN News, folks. That's that's a conversation. So remember that as we get into this, and the big one was Brian Ross. And how it went for those that didn't know, because you caught the 10,000, but you didn't see the 27, thus the retweets on the correction. Ross dropped a series of stunning revelations seconds before 11 a.m. Eastern about Flynn, with some of them remaining in place, as of this writing. However, notice the difference in what he stated to George Stephanopoulos on Friday morning and what he did the next. This is what he said. He prepared to testify that President Trump as a candidate. Donald Trump ordered him directly, directed him to make contact with the Russians while contradicting all that Donald Trump said to the point. So it wasn't candidate Trump telling him, Flynn, to make contact with Russia, but Trump, the president-elect, asking Flynn to contact Russia. Around this point of inaccuracy, Ross reports that Flynn promised Mueller full cooperation. He's prepared to testify against Trump. He also revealed that Flynn only made the decision in the last 24 hours, partially due to the heavy legal bills consuming him to the point that he had to put his house on the market. As mentioned earlier, Ross gained infamous notoriety for jumping to the conclusion that Jim Holmes, who belonged to the Colorado Tea Party site, was the man who killed 12 and injured 70. It turned out that this was actual fake news. Early Saturday night, ABC suspended Ross. For only four weeks without pay for the latest and most egregious error of journalist career. Falsely claiming on Friday that the candidate Donald Trump had instructed Flynn to make contact with Russia. In reality, Trump had only done so after the election. Senior White House correspondent Cecil Vega read the almost, almost the entire statement about Rost incorrect reporting while anchoring World News Tonight. But ignored the sentence referring to Ross' suspension. As for the jaw-dropping statement itself, ABC get, began by expressing, we deeply regret and apologize for the serious error we made yesterday and that Ross's scoop delivered at 1059 a.m. Eastern had not been fully vetted, though our editorial, through our editorial standard process. As a result of our continued reporting over the next several hours, ultimately we determined the information was wrong. And we corrected the mistake on air and online. CBS News tweet, ABC News Report, Brian Ross, who is currently suspended without pay, will no longer cover stories involving President Trump, according to the network. The first tweet of this, December first, just in, Brian Ross on ABC News Special Report, Michael, Michael Flynn promised full cooperation to the Mueller team as prepared to testify that as a candidate, Trump directed him to contact make contact with the Russians. Online, their correction is this. More. The September email to Donald Trump Jr. highlighted information that was already public. Let me help you. Correction now processed. Last my ass off from Eric Foreman. More? How is this more not correction? It's like you do it to yourself. This is more. It should be correction. This is this is correction. Another correction. Another correction. Another correction. They made it up, boys and girls. They made it up. They ran with it. And this is how it sounded.
3: And we have an update now on our incorrect reporting that aired yesterday during a special report. ABC News has released this statement. We deeply regret and apologize for the serious error we made yesterday. The reporting conveyed by Brian Ross during the special report had not been fully vetted through our editorial standards process. As a result, our continued reporting over the next several hours ultimately determined the information was wrong and we corrected the mistake on air and online, it is vital we get the story right and retain the trust we have built with our audience. These are our core principles. We fell far short of that yesterday. Again, that was a statement issued by ABC News tonight.
9: But at some point, this becomes very, very serious for your Republican colleagues to say the evidence is mounting that the White House uh, did have something to do with the Russians. This has to become more political at some point with the dropping of this, uh, this charge against Mike Flynn
7: behind closed doors when is it that they start to say maybe we gotta do something here
9: have you inquired as to what democratic senators or democratic members of congress have the power to do uh... to to now move this into the fore? because as you said your republican colleagues tend not to like to talk about it Uh, at some point uh... what can you do to make this the main course of conversation
7: Does this news that we're seeing out of the white house today put everything else to a screeching halt
8: but i think collectively they're going to put blinders on in all this, and, and they're going to, their mindset is going to be, uh, we're just going to continue to do your, our to that, agenda. But at what point does that
9: stop? At what point do Republicans say the, the tone has changed, the mood of the country is changing? Mm-hmm. It is You can't put blinders on about Trump v.
8: Russia anymore. But, you know, we're not there yet. You know, Charles, isn't there, that there safe? Are,
4: Welcome uh, back to the show. Breaking news. Oh, my God. Oh, breaking oh. news. ABC News. Ross is reporting Michael Flynn, pri- cooperation to the Mueller team, prepared to testify that as a candidate, Donald elected him to make contact with the Russians. Yeah! Yeah.
6: a clarification tonight on something one of Flynn's confidants told us and we reported earlier today. He said the president had asked Flynn to contact Russia during the campaign. He's now clarifying that, saying, according to Flynn, candidate Trump asked him during the campaign to find ways to repair relations with Russia and other hotspots. And then after the election, the president-elect asked him to told him to contact Russia on issues, including working together to fight ISIS. David. Before and after.
1: So what did Brian Seltzer say on this lie? Yesterday it was just a clarification, ABC said. Now it's a serious error, Oliver Darcy. ABC News spokesman tells me the World News will clarify that it should be President-elect Trump, not Candidate Trump. This is a big distinction. Market tanked when ABC News report dropped. Hail Razor in a harsh and stinging rebuke. ABC News forcing Brian Ross to take a Christmas vacation and return to work after New Year's. And that's all he's getting. I want you to think, I want you to think, if anybody did this under Obama, what would happen to him? He made up a story as. J.B.D.D.H.Q. says, Fire or fuck off? Next tweet. Good. Honestly, given his previous track record, remember the Aurora, Colorado shooting debacle, where he rushed wrongly, ID killer's a tea partier. This is better than he deserves. Damage has already been done through millions of people still running with the fake info. Oliver Darcy Actually's the one that literally fixed it. He fixed it. But when you're running with the media, like, look at this, Sham Charity, Corinne Brown. Remember that? We covered it on the show. Yeah, she got sentenced. They didn't even cover it. Didn't even cover it. And then you have, meet the press, Chucky e. Toad, during a political panel structure, meet the press on Sunday, moderator Chuck Todd fretted that the removal of the FBI agent from Robert Mueller's, you know, fuck it, listen to this shit,
8: and, and, and then I'm going to go off. Horrible 48 hours for the president with this investigation, but he was handed one um, uh, helpful PR moment here. Let me throw up these headlines. An FBI agent was just removed from Bob Mueller's team for anti-Trump tax. Now, when you read the details of this, Danielle, I I have to say part of me thought, wait a minute, are we bordering into thought police territory, number one? But we can set that aside here. But it does give the president a PR tool here and is to at least throw to his supporters saying, aha, bias in the Mueller program. Right,
4: and he just tweeted about it this morning.
11: Shocking. It, uh, it yeah, was shocking, shocking to see maybe his lawyer tweeted that too. The president but, is a genius at taking something like this and blowing it up to titanic size. Yeah. We're going to hear so much about this now. Yeah, it, it'll eclipse back. the investigation for a while, at least on the conservative side right. of the media. And it's always designed to really uh, undermine the value, the truth value right. of the press, the truth value of the investigation, to, to lead doubt once the conclusions are drawn. So,
1: he backed it up with not true that the media is cheering for Trump fail on a, a different MTP. Um, he tweeted this. Don't be lazy the media attack just to make a certain audience feel good. You know this isn't true. Wish more folks would focus on the policymakers and not get lazy on the simple blame the media. Because remember, this guy, this guy was a DNC fucking rep. He was a staffer. And his wife throws birthday parties for Jennifer Parmary. But you put that together, the fake news, and we have two more, cause you're going, oh, that's just one, no, there's two more. There's two more. Why, why would we as nor, I'm a normal, I'm not a trumper, I'm not a republican, I'm not a democrat. Show me evidence that you aren't after Trump and rooting for him to fail. When you say it's thought police, when Mueller has teamed up a bunch of anti-Trumpers to go after the president, when has that ever happened? Oh, Nixon. Yeah, that's it. Republicans. But it would never happen on Democrats. If I replayed that tape and there was an investigation that ever could have happened over Obama, and there was like eight of them, but they didn't do any of them because he was black, And they were offended. They're afraid they're going to offend that community because they're going after a black president. So he never got investigated for anything. And also the other major focus is that the media loved him. So they didn't actually report on him. And you had a bunch of anti Obama birthers on an investigation of the president. That segment on MTP would have been, this is really good for America. You know, we can't have people. We need justice. There needs to be unbiased. Justice, you can't have a bunch of tea partiers investigating the president. Tens of thousands of tweets of a false story, boys and girls. The fucking resistance was in fucking ecstasy. And it doesn't matter, it's corrected. The American people believe that Donald Trump, the president of the United States as a candidate, ordered somebody to talk to Russia. There's no evidence after two, 18, 19, where the fuck, we almost two years of investigation. There's nothing on Russia. But they won't let it go, because it isn't about Russia. It isn't about the sanctity of our election. It's about undermining a president. That's all it's about, and the media is part of it. So they run these fake stories. We prove it on the show! They know the fake news is good for them, because they can make people hate Trump. But it ties together perfectly. It is rooting for failure. Chuck Toad's a fucking liar. Here, here, here's a, a perfect one. Um, where the hell is it? Let me find it. Wapo Rider, right here. This happened, I guess. Yesterday, WAPO writer apologizes to President Trump for posting phony photo of empty arena. Trump tweets, David Weigel of Washington Post put out a phony photo of an empty arena hours before I arrived. The venue with thousands of people outside on their way in. Real photo shows now shown as I spoke. Packed house. Many people unable to get in. Demand apology and retraction for fake news. WAPO. CNN Brian Seltzer made a special note that the network did not apologize for boxing its bombshell, which we're about to talk about in a second. And then David Weigel comes out, sure thing, I apologize. I deleted the photo after Demarcus Soko told me I got it wrong, was confused by the image of you walking in the bottom right corner. Alex Wu, how many seconds did you spend on verify your story before you went to post? It was a bad tweet on my personal account. Not a story for watch post. I deleted it after like 20 minutes. Very fair to call me out. Everything you saw on Twitter is a joke except what I say about any show's video. 13,500 people were in that building. That's done on purpose. To undermine his popularity we shown, through the Obama years, they took photos in empty arenas, but they had the backdrop of a bunch of people. They did it for Hillary throughout the whole campaign. I showed it numerous times on the show. During 2012, they show Romney doing a stadium. The floor is full, but all the media focused on was the empty seats to give the appearance and to make sure people knew Romney's not popular. Don't vote for Romney. Vote for the person we want you to vote for. His name's Barack Hussein Obama. That's rooting for failure. This is rooting for failure. NBC ran again. A shot with two empty seats in the front row. That's what they ran. I saw it this morning. They tipped their hat to Wapo like, good job. You almost got away with it. But they're not rooting. Okay. They're not rooting. Here's the second one. Because, oh, well, this is the third one. Because the WaPo second. Fake news fail. Another CNN Trump bombshell explodes and their face updated. CNN reported exclusively that Donald Trump Jr. tweeted about Hillary Clinton and WikiLeaks on the same day he supposedly was sent info by WikiLeaks, which CNN said was September 4th. CNN had bombshell on the brain. Exclusive, Donald Trump Jr. and others in the Trump organization got an email in September 2016 offering a decryption key and a link for a hacked WikiLeaks document. New CNN exclusive, candidate Donald Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and others in the Trump organization received emails in December or September 2016 offering decryption key. Blah, 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 blah. And the media and the resistance were off and running. Trump Jr. tweeted about WikiLeaks on the same day he was offered access to hacked WikiLeaks documents. That's the hill. This is all December 8th. Judd Lagum. I'm sure this is a big coincidence, but the day Trump Jr. was sent a WikiLeaks encryption, he tweeted about this. Whoa, if Trump camp had access to stolen emails in advance and guided WikiLeaks actively last fall, that would amount to a criminal conspiracy. Brian Fallon, Aaron Blake, another journo, That WikiLeaks email was actually from September 14th, not September 4, which means it is far less significant. Sarah Westward. So CNN misreported the date of the WikiLeaks email when Junior received it, meaning that the entire point of the story, that the campaign might have gotten advance warning in the leak, is wrong. Liz Wheeler. Holy crap, that's a huge error. Like Brian Ross level huge. Stephen Miller. Almost a 1,000 shares. It's false. That tweet right now. 5,467 shares, 6,696 loves. So then CNN tries to explain it with Brian Seltzer. A CNN spokesman says there will not be disciplinary action in the case because unlike Brian Ross... M.K. Raju followed the editorial standard process. Multiple sources provided him with incorrect info. Sean Davis. CNN's editorial standards that it may report on documents that his own editor and reporter I've never seen, that's so much worse. Lachelle Markey, named the sources, being lied to nega- negates any obligation to respect on background guidelines, they won't do it. Ari Fleischer, the sources were likely trying to use them, CNN needs to think about identifying them, it would serve us all if sources realize they can't hide behind anonymity. Omni Curran, almost like there's a crew of former U.S. officials who have game on have game on comms and they're pushing Russian collusion garbage on reporters who face editorial pressure to produce Russia collusion stories. And she's right. Glenn Greenwald. How did multiple sources all misread the date and radically misinterpret the document in the same way? What's the rationale for continuing to conceal the identity of these sources who caused so much damage and deceit on the public with their false claims? Phil Kirpin. Multiple Intel Committee Dems. Jeff BDDHQ, this is the point, I would think, at which you burn your sources. They will not. They're not going to. They want Trump to fail, Chuck Toad. False news gets out there. Corrections nobody reads. It doesn't matter. Backfire alert. Brian Seltzer tries to correct Trump's CNN slam. It doesn't go too well. Joss Dosey, a reporter. Do you see all the corrections this media has been making? Trump says, call ABC Brian Ross a fraudster. He drove the stock down 350 in a minute. They apologize. Thank you, CNN. Thank you so much. You should have apologized for the last two years. Brian Seltzer, Trump. You see all the corrections the media have been making. He says they've been apologizing left and right, calls Brian Ross a fraudster, should have been fired, says CNN apologized, today's mistake. CNN corrected it, but did not apologize. Molly, true. CNN has yet to apologize for even really begun to explain what happened. Probs with sources, other stories. She put a picture. This is an apple with her article we're about to cover in a few seconds pink lady we apologize isn't in their vocabulary we're not sorry in the latest lease for failing to so miserably at the most basic tenets of journalism is that a position you want to stick to yeah they do cnn nbc msdnc abc cb they all want him to fail they run this stuff brian ross is even getting fired he gets a christmas vacation and can't report on the president that's his penalty Seriously. So here's 18 questions CNN needs to answer after getting busted for fake news. Molly Hemingway at The Federalist. Did CNN ever see the email before running the story? But they didn't. Doesn't matter. They just want Russia. Two, does CNN believe it's ethical to write about a document and not let readers and viewers know up front the reporter and editors haven't seen the document? Three, is CNN... If CNN didn't see the email, who told CNN about it? Four. Why did CNN believe these sources? Five. Were they Democratic members of Congress on the House Select Committee on Intelligent Leaking Information? Which is illegal. Six. Are the staff of these members? Seven, are the sources independent or in the same office or otherwise related to each other? Eight, what other stories have been individual source for CNN? What dates were they published? Nine, what is being done to check these stories out for inaccuracies? Ten, how many of these stories relate to the Russian investigation? Eleven, how many other stories CNN reported were and never actually saw the document reported as fact? Twelve, can CNN point to another big story anchored to document that its journalists haven't authenticated? Thirteen, will the reporters on this story continue to cover this beat? Yeah. Hell yeah! 14. Which editor works on and approves this story? 15. How will editors' process on Russian conspiracy stories change going forward? 16. Given the story is meaningless and is corrected, why hasn't the story been retracted in its entirety? Why is the tweet still up on CNN? If it's a lie. Answer that, Chuck Toad. You're not rooting for failure. Okay, 17, will CNN use these sources in the future? 18, given the seriousness of this error and the damage they caused the reputation of the news outlet, will CNN out the sources? If not, why not? How do they handle this? Brian Seltzer, by including David Weigel's handle, the president's statement is inviting followers to gang up on a reporter. Area man figures out Twitter. How about getting facts right? Yes, because that's a problem here, not the reporting. Then Weagles should not post a picture of a half-empty arena and put in quotes to the rafters. There it is. That's it. That's it. They don't take account for anything because they're fucking Democrats. They're just like Obama. They're just like Obama. It's everybody else's fault. I read it in the paper. I don't know anything going on in our country, even though the president of the United States. Yet we said George Bush was culpable for 9-11 because he didn't, he read a fucking intel report and didn't stop it. That's your logic. But for eight years, Obama found out everything in the paper. It ran for one day. Doesn't matter how heinous. And it went away. And now for goddamn 18 months. Fake stories on Russia. No proof. Intel being leaked by Democrats. It's illegal. Not a reporter will get rid of them. Because they just want Russia or something negative every day. But Chuck Toad says, The media is not rooting for Trump to fail. Hmm. Okay. I believe that. Here's Newsweek. Karen Pence We will miss Pickle, our very chatty sweet kitty of 16 years. Newsweek, Mike Pence Pets Won't Stop Dying. An actual article. Vice President Mike Pence's family has lost yet another pet, cat named Pickle, just six months after its cat Oreo died. In a tweet announcing Pickle's death, Kathy Pence described the late phenine as a very chatty and sweet kitty. The Pence has had Pickle for 16 years. In the article, they go through all the pets that have died, all the pets that have died. Nope, don't want failure. They don't want it. Don't want failure. So when they weren't running fucking false news, dogging pets for having cats that died, this is the other shit that Graystar our airwaves. Here's your media match: CBS covers seven to two ruling on travel ban for fifty one seconds. ABC, NBC, travel ban coverage is fucking, oh, it's horrible. And NBC comes down again, banned major victory initially. Then they downplayed it as just a minor one because all of a sudden they realized it did something positive for Trump. ABC ignores gay cake. Here are the rest of the liberal talking points on the gay cakeness. And CNN, with Brian Seltzer and the reliable source gang, their media bias-free show, literally say, Can America handle Trump's madness? Not
4: rooting for failure, though! Jen, let me ask you about the other big news out of the Supreme Court. Them upholding the president's travel ban said it would take full effect. What can you tell us about that decision?
12: Well, I mean, this
4: is a win for the president. It's a a temporary win, but it basically means uh, that the travel ban can stay in effect while all these appeals play out, that the Trump administration will be able to fully enforce this ban uh, until all these lawsuits are resolved. Now, two judges in uh, Hawaii and Maryland had had said that uh, the restrictions on Travel, Trump's travel order had to be limited uh, and that travelers with bona fide connections to the United States could not be kept out of the country. But with the Supreme Court's order yesterday, in most cases, citizens from eight countries will be unable to enter the United States. It applies to people uh, from six uh, mostly Muslim countries and North Korea and Venezuela.
9: Supreme Court tonight clearing the way for President Trump's travel ban, even as it's being challenged in federal courts. The ruling allows the administration to fully enforce the ban on travel to the United States by residents of six mostly Muslim countries. This week, the Ninth Circuit and the Fourth Circuit will hear arguments challenging the ban's legality. After they decide, the case will return to the Supreme Court for a final decision.
2: There is late word of
1: a victory at the Supreme Court for the Trump White House. The court allowing the administration
11: to enforce the latest version of its travel ban, while challenges to it move forward. NBC News Justice correspondent Pete Williams is outside the Supreme Court and has details. Pete,
13: good evening. Lester, this means that overseas family members of people in the U.S. who were exempt from the travel ban are now subject to it. This latest version, announced in September, applies mainly to travelers from Chad, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Syria, and Yemen. In response to challenges, lower courts said it could not be applied against people who have family members here. But tonight, the court has lifted that exemption. Only two justices, Ginsburg and Sotomayor, dissented. So this could be a sign that this latest version of the travel ban will survive a Supreme Court challenge when it gets here early next year. And
5: now a major win for the Trump administration in the U.S. Supreme Court. On Monday, the court allowed full enforcement. Of the president's travel ban against residents of six mostly Muslim countries,
13: it means the administration can now completely enforce the travel ban. So that is a sign that this version of the travel ban may survive the legal challenges when the case is heard back here.
4: Another key focus here at the White House today: a minor victory, as you say, Hoda, for the president's travel ban. Mr. Trump may be eager to weigh in on the temporary win today. And while we have you there, there's another case that
5: the court's going to hear today regarding same-sex marriage and religious freedom. Tell us about
13: it. Right. This is a big case. that involves a gay couple from Colorado, David Mullins and Charlie Craig, who wanted a cake for their wedding reception, but the baker told him no because gay marriage is against his religious principles. He's Jack Phillips. He says his cakes are works of art and that requiring him to bake them for same-sex weddings would violate his freedom of speech, forcing him to express a view as an artist that he disagrees with.
0: All right, Pete, it's going to be a closely watched
13: mm-hmm. case. Thank you very much.
0: Jeff, let's, let's have what I always say is this uncomfortable conversation. I think it's, it is deep uncomfortable to talk about this, but I think we have to. Look at the New York Daily News this morning. Uh, a column calling the president a madman, saying that he is truly unhinged. I've been noticing a new theme in the coverage of the president this week among Trump skeptics in the press, liberal columnists, places like that. Let's show, for example, Eugene uh, Robinson's column in The Washington Post. These people are saying we have to talk about his health now before it's too late. Eugene Robinson saying, how long are we going to pretend that President Trump is fully rational? How long are we going to ignore the signs that he is dangerously out of control? And here is MSNBC's Joe Scarborough raising the same point.
11: When are we supposed to say this? After the first
1: nuclear missile goes? When is this the right time to talk about... A mentally unstable president in the White House and a nuclear showdown with another unstable madman in North Korea?
0: That's the question. All right, let me hear you react to that Daily News piece uh, that I mentioned. This is this morning's New York Daily News, an editorial uh, from the editorial board that says, quote, after his latest spasm of deranged tweets, <laughs> only those completely under his spell can deny what growing numbers of Americans have long suspected. The President of the United States is profoundly unstable. He is mad. He is, by any honest layman's definition, mentally unwell and viciously lashing out.
1: Well It's there been is less
0: a- than a year since he took office, and this is what newspaper editorial boards are saying. <laughs> Fucking
1: horrible. Other news in the beautiful world that we live in, the FBI helped Hillary buy the dossier, that's been proven now. Joe Scarborough put out supposed quote by Orrin Hatch talking about children's health care. Senator Orrin Hatch, talking about children's health care, I have a rough time, wanting to spend billions and billions and trillions of dollars to help people who won't help themselves, won't lift a finger, and expect the federal government to do everything. That was framed for hours. The resistance went crazy. And then Ali Rogan, a reporter. Nope, he was not talking about Chip in that quote. He co-wrote Bill to extend funding for it. And if you watch the whole clip, says he will see it himself that chip funding is extended. To show you once again, fake news wins for the media. 10,000 retweets of Morning Joe saying a lie, an outright lie, when he corrected it, 27. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and hey, Chuck Toad, CNN, best re-election platform I've ever seen. CNN did an article this week. Trump's four food groups, McDonald's, KFC, pizza, and soda. That's real news. Real news. Okay. Other hypocrisy, Twitter. I want you all this week to search Nazi. When you do Nazi, the top results are Donald J. Trump, Count Dracula, Paul Joseph Watson, Richard Spencer, American Nazi Party, Tommy Lair, and Dinesh D'Souza. That's what comes up. Yeah. That's, that's what we get. That, that's what we get. But there's no bias. None at all. It's no different than when Google Stupidest person in the world, George W. Bush. Okay. We're going to go to our stats of the day without a bumper, we're going to play this. This is from Tucker Carlson. This is a great stat. Made me happy. We're going to do a little quick segment on Cecil Richard today because she said some fucking horrible shit. You're going to listen to 20 minutes of that lady fucking yakking her gums because I think you need to hear it because, once again, I am now pro-life thanks to the fucking agenda that is the Women's March that believes you should stab a baby in the head when it's coming out of your fucking vagina being born. My choice. Well, guess what? Finally, our government is going to investigate the baby part shop. Yet
9: another Fox News alert on a night full of the Justice Department has launched a federal investigation into Planned Parenthood and its practices and the sale of fetal tissue. In a letter first obtained by Fox, reporters Brooke Singerman and Jake Gibson, the Justice Department has formally requested unredacted documents from the Senate Judiciary Committee, the same panel that led the congressional probe into that organization, Planned Parenthood. The letter includes confirmation of an ongoing investigation into practices over there.
1: I'll sum it up with one Twitter user that just said the following. This story actually was broken by Jake Gibson, which is John Gibson's son, so good for him. I'll say it again. Planned Parenthood sells baby parts, period. Just remember that. Baby parts. They sell... Baby parts. Other stats. Karma is a stat, my friends. Karma. Lindsey Vonn went out there and was interviewed and said, I won't represent U.S. President at Winter Olympics. If invited to the White House, I won't go. Next day, she fell and hurt her damn back, and now she's not going to the Olympics, people are saying. To me, that is Karma. Because for eight years under Obama, if you didn't respect the office of the President of the United States, you were racist, piece of shit, un-American, and a commie. But you wait for all the little athletes they are going to interview on NBC, who covers the Winter Olympics, and tell us how evil our fucking president is. To a music break, two quick little segments. On the back side of the music break, you're going to listen to Cecil Richard, It's about 20 minutes, a little long. I wanted you to hear it because it's a one-on-one, which feels comfortable. And she says natural child planning is crazy. That's the woman that wants to kill every baby on the planet. And then we're going to go into a quick article by a liberal where she literally states, literally states, At the end of the day, the media is dead. (laughs)
10: Time keeps on slipping slipping
12: Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid.
7: A true daughter of Texas, right? (laughs) The great, the mighty Cecile Richards, president of Planned Parenthood. So welcome, Cecile. And you have to tell us, because this has been kind of the year from hell, right? But at the same time, (laughs) you've sped through it with the most incredible tenacity and amazing what you are. Just to watch you fighting back has been absolutely incredible. What was the biggest challenge that you really faced this year? And was it one that you expected? Aside from the fact that you didn't expect this president to be here
14: at all. Right. I'd say that would probably the biggest um (laughs) that's the biggest challenge. But but first welcome to Texas. Texas women are very tough. They are very tough. (laughs) Yeah, I noticed that. Yes. (laughs) I mean when you think about this has been a tough year, but women in Texas have been dealing with tough times for a long, long time. So uh um let's see, what's been the biggest the biggest challenge? Well obviously the biggest challenge was one that we somewhat expected was that this administration would go after Planned Parenthood. Um, but I think what has really been extraordinary, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, is that they're actually going after birth control access in America, which is crazy. Yeah, when did that become controversial? I mean, exactly. exactly. Also, I, I don't <laughs> understand how – I get. I get, you know, we all understand about the abortion piece, but not about – Birth control, right? Well, and the irony is, of course, uh, you know, with the last several years under under the previous administration, we got birth control coverage for 62 million women in America in their insurance plans at no cost, and that was, I mean, that's ex- fantastic. I mean, it should have happened years ago. Um, and of course, we are at a record, the lowest rate of teenage pregnancy in the history of the United States of America, which is a, a really a, a great achievement and ev- that everyone supports. And actually, the lowest rate of abortion since Roe was decided, better. Access to birth control has led to this, but we have this administration is. I mean, we just have seen a leaked memo that basically says they are going to try to redirect all the family planning program, where millions of women, uh, how they get access to affordable birth control, to now um, begin to use it for fertility awareness, Um, and. Yes, which I think most of us are aware of our fertility, um, but to really <laughs> redirect it away from artificial family planning to natural family planning, which... You mean we're going to um, go back to the rhythm method? I cannot Back to it. the rhythm method, yes. This is Back to the this rhythm is, method. This is, like, this is like an episode of Mad Men or something. It is. It, it's completely insane. And of course, at Planned Parenthood, we provide birth control to millions of people every year, and what we usually call uh, folks who uh, come to us who use the rhythm method uh, is parents, actually, because... Um, <laughs> Uh, and, you know, it's so I think that the real danger here is, I mean, I guess we have to laugh to keep from crying, but the incredible thing is when we're making this much progress for access to health care and affordable health care, and, of course, we had to beat this back all year, it's just extraordinary that this administration would take aim at the thing that is actually really working for folks.
7: Well, it's it's really stunning, but, but well, what we're also seeing is a kind of seismic, you know, pushback at the same incredible. time. Now. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you see when you go around the country? Because there has been this volcanic year for women, right? I mean, yes. it started with the Women's March. It's gone now you know, with the Me Too and all of the stuff that's happened this right. year. You've been in the thick of it. What have you seen as you've traveled through the country in terms of this seismic
14: change? And is it going to be something that sticks? Well, it, it definitely has this last year. I mean, I have been working on issues of women's rights um, and social justice for my entire lifetime. I've never seen anything like it. The Women's March uh, or marches were phenomenal. They're estimating four, four to five million people marched, uh, and including here in Texas. I mean, literally the biggest march in the history of Austin, Texas with 50,000 people. It's amazing. Um, and I, I think what, what would have been discouraging, Tina, is if we had the marches and then Folks just kind of went home, took their pussy hats off, and and uh, yeah, uh, went was, back to was business. The, which but was the fear, really. What's that? That, that was, was the was fear. A fear yeah. But it's actually been just the opposite. I feel like that moment. I don't know for some of you, obviously, were at the marches. Uh, it was the most empowering thing I've ever been to. I mean, literally in Washington D.C., you could not see you could not see anything except people. And what happened? I think that gave the kind of encouragement that we're now seeing, which has led to record activism at Planned Parenthood. We now have more than 10 million supporters, and it was interesting when Paul Ryan, uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, announced in January that they were going to defund Planned Parenthood and repeal the Affordable Care Act, and that it was going to be on the president's desk by February. Uh, well, this is, what, December 3rd, and our doors are still open all across the United States of America. Um, <laughs> yeah. and Well, tell and me, I, I mean,
7: there were some great heroes, right, in Washington this week, right? Incredible they were women, right? Yes. So tell us about the hero women in Washington
14: who helped uh, to make this. Well, go I think away. it's, I, I think the important thing is, uh, Washington doesn't change ex- unless they hear from people back home. So I really want to give credit to this enormous grassroots uprising because yes, there were women who were courageous. But every time they went home, they heard from people. And in fact, there were, you know, as you probably know, there were thousands of calls into Congress shutting down the switchboards uh, time and time again. One estimate is that 86% of the phone calls coming to Congress were coming from women, okay? So women left the march and then they began to organize. But I do, I, I like to give credit where, uh, where I think it's more than due, and that is not only did all the women in the Democratic um, Senate uh, really were amazing, as were the men, but Susan Collins, uh, the Republican from Maine, and Lisa Murkowski, the, the Republican from Alaska, they deserve credit for all of this. And it really was, if they had not stuck up for women and women's rights, um, this would have gotten done months ago. But it really was their courage that allowed John McCain and, and others to kind of um, join in at the last. But they were, they've been amazing. And it's been critical, right, to have three women on the Supreme Court this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think for everyone in Texas, they know that we're constantly litigating uh, a million different issues. But I did. And one of the most important, of course, was this was uh, legislation that was passed and signed um, a few years ago, but eventually was overturned by the Supreme Court. But having, yes, Sonia Sotomayor, I mean, if you look at the the um, progress under the previous administration, I think there's no way to overstate having Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor join the Supreme Court, how important that has been. But And I think you and I have talked about this a little bit and it's been reported- About the, the lived news. experience of women, you mean? Absolutely, well, I mean, being in the courtroom when they talk about what is it like to be a woman who can't get access to health care, and they understand that personally and profoundly, uh, it, it makes a difference. But on the other hand, I mean, one of the most disturbing things about this administration is they are, uh, they they are rapid-fire repopulating the federal court system. Um, 80% of those appointments are men. 90% of them are white. We are—all the progress that was made under this administration to begin to actually get fair representation in the federal court system is being um, eviscerated overnight. And I, I heard, you know, from the, the young woman who spoke earlier and the challenges about— Having a court system that doesn't understand the needs of women is devastating. And I think that was a really good, terrifying example. Terrifying. Yeah. Well, Cory Booker said that your leadership in the time of the Trump
7: administration has been of epic proportions. And I think we all, we all know that here. But how, how, how do you think your own leadership has changed in the last year? I mean, you've been required to step up in ways that
14: have been, you know, far greater even than your efforts in the past, right? Well, I think every woman has had to step up. And that's what I want to emphasize, because I think it's easy to think either our problems are going to get solved by uh, someone in Congress or they're going to get solved. You know, there's some kind of magic uh, super sauce that we can just um, or I mean, I know after the election, people kept coming up to me just with this fear in their eyes. Like, what should I do? I think it's really important to recognize that change is happening because women uh, in every walk of life are doing more than they ever thought. So, yes, I've had to step up, but every single place I go, there are women self-organizing. They're not waiting for instructions. They're not waiting for some big call on high. They are organizing. They're running for office. They're creating organizations. They are speaking out. They are telling stories they've never told before. And that, to me, is what is the exciting thing about, I mean, it's a terrifying moment, but it's incredibly exciting how resilient women have been. Well, I mean, obviously, we're all uh, inspired
7: by the groundswell of, of women speaking out, as you say, about the sexual harassment just recently. Right. Um, what do you think the impact is going to be on this whole Me Too movement now? And what is the impact also going to be about the toppling of so many huge kind of iconic male figures in the establishment? I mean, mm-hmm. is this going to be a uh, empowering moment for women, or is it going to become Uh, you know, uh, everything's going to slide back or indeed
14: even be a backlash towards women. What do you read into this? So I I think that uh, I what I have been encouraged to see is, well, of course, it's not going to be enough if just folks topple and then men take their place. And I think all of the conversation that, that, that we've heard tonight is so important. If we don't put more women into elective office, that's the final power source that we have to have. And again, it's been amazing to see thousands and thousands and thousands of women running for office. Um, in fact, we talked a little bit about the state of Virginia and just the record numbers of women w- winning uh, in this most recent election. But that, to me, if we don't do that, all the rest of this um, will not matter. And so I, I, I t- try to tell folks that, I mean, marching is great, knitting a pussy hat, fantastic, calling Congress, Coming to town hall meetings, but voting, that's the whole thing. And so I think it's incredibly important that we do that. Um, right. but, but, but what about, you know, is this movement that we've been seeing, is that
7: going to be able to impact women who have no, you know, no means, no expensive lawyers, no celebrity? Right. You know, we're hearing from these famous women who are speaking out, but we all know that it is women you know, the the grassroots women who are in jobs, you know, such as hotel maids and fast food workers and all of these other kinds of jobs which are not getting any sort of play.
14: Right. Is it going to affect their lives? Is it going to be better for them? It has to. Or not? It has to. And that's our job. That's our job. That's not anyone else's job. And, I mean, I think a lot of the theme here tonight has been about that, that we have to support other women. You know, I, for years before I came to Planned Parenthood, I I organized low-wage working women in the hotels. Uh, in the janitorial industry that worked in nursing homes. These are women who deal with sexual harassment and assault every single day and no one ever pays any attention to them. And so I am glad and I do think it's important that we say it's not just about um, Hollywood celebrities and it's not just about women in the news. It is about everyday women and we have to support them and we have to lift those, lift those stories up. The thing, you know, of course it's, frightening that you think well maybe we'll just get rid of a few folks and then it's going to be the same old same old but what is exciting to me I look with a ton of young women you know young women come to Planned Parenthood young women work for Planned Parenthood they're active as a Planned Parenthood they aren't having this they are not having this I mean I feel like my two daughters they um there is like a like no excuses now. And I feel like that spirit is really important. I do think we have to empower young women. We have to um, give them opportunities to lead because they see the world in a completely different way. And and thank goodness for that. Um, yeah, they have the zero tolerance. As they you do. Said.
7: Absolutely.
10: Absolutely.
14: Well, I mean, have you ever been sexually harassed yourself? Is that of something? Of course. <laughs> and what woman has not been sexually harassed? <laughs> and how did you respond? Well, and, you know, it's funny. I was, I've just been writing about this because I'm, I'm writing a book. Um, and I felt like I had to talk about it because um, at the time, uh, and of course it's shameful now to say, I was terrified of losing that job opportunity, you know, working in the summer, you know, working for a lawyer who was like, you know, Titanic, you know, um, being sexually assaulted it was like the ch- who was going to believe me, and um, and so I, I, you know, and I think we all have these experiences that we have stuffed, and now I know a lot of them are coming out, and I think it's important that we do share these stories and that we. Um, that we don't let this repeat for our daughters and for another generation. But I think I think a lot of us have a lot of shame uh, about the incidents and about the fact that we didn't do more at the time. Um, not just that we didn't know any better, but we we didn't know where to go. Um, we didn't know where to go. That was the point. There wasn't yeah, anywhere to go. There point. wasn't anywhere to go.
7: Well, obviously, you know, everybody here um, knows about your amazing mother, Governor Governor Anne. Governor
14: Richards. Anne
7: Richards. Governor Anne Richards. Yes. Yeah. Um, She certainly was, I mean, an amazing pioneer when you think about it. I just, I'm sure you do constantly, but she really was such an extraordinary pioneer. I just wanted to play that grand old classic Anne Richards soundbite just because it was (laughs) so good just to see it again and see her again. Roll the
14: tape. (laughs) Twelve years ago, Barbara Jordan, another Texas woman. Barbara
4: made the keynote address to this convention two women in
14: 160 years is about par for the course. But if you give us a chance, we can perform. After all, Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did. She just
4: did it backwards and in high
15: heel.
14: So great. It's so glorious. It's a great line. It's such a great line.
7: <laughs> but when you look at that now, and has it, you know, she was such a pioneer. Has it
14: got any easier for women candidates to run for office? I mean, she went through tremendous batterings. Yes, she did. And it, look, it's still hard, and there is an enormous double standard. I mean, I think about, and I, I'm sure there are folks here who probably worked on Mom's Race or volunteered or maybe even voted for her. Um, so just if this sounds familiar, she ran against a sexist pig who, <laughs> who joked about rape. Right, right, right. Um, who um, had never been in public office had, ne- and, and of course she'd been in public office. She'd had all these achievements, um, and he never paid his taxes. So, yeah, fast forward, um, and <laughs> you, there is there is a repetition of history here, and you look at the double standard um, that we saw in this presidential race, and so it's true. I think that women um, women have to be. So much better. They get, you know, they get judged by all of these different things. But I think the exciting thing is, again, I women are now saying they're not waiting for people to ask them to run. We can't wait. You just have to do it. And women are supporting other women. And again, it's this is a little microcosm because I always try to think of like, what's the positive sign in all this? The 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 first elections that were held since this administration has come in office were in the in the state of Commonwealth of Virginia. Not only was the governor elected with a 21-point gender gap, that means women overwhelmingly supported the candidate who supported women's rights, but um, of the 15 seats that were flipped, 11 were flipped by women candidates. The, I mean, that's big. Um, wow. and, and, and also, just, I mean, because I think it's important, Tina... The first transgender uh, woman ever elected to the Virginia Assembly, and the first two Latinas ever elected. So it, that is that is huge. That's that is huge. progress. It's huge, but
7: at the same time, uh, as we heard from Amy McGrath uh, uh, earlier, she is running in Kentucky, and she does not feel that the Democratic Party is behind it, That they're still going for the self-funded establishment candidate, and they're not giving the new broom, i.e., her. Uh, the kind of support that you would expect. W- when is the Democratic Party going to really get behind the new brooms, of which m- so many are women? Or are we going to still be kind of stuck in this kind of lip service towards right. women and then actually still going with the same old, same old?
14: Well, I, I mean, thank goodness my responsibility is not to fix the Democratic Party. Um, and, and it's important for me to say that Planned Parenthood Action Fund, which does support candidates, we support candidates of any party as long as they 100% support women's health and rights and reproductive rights. Um, I think that what's happening is the parties. Uh, people are going to have to just run regardless of the party support. And that to me is why was the Virginia example is so exciting. These are not folks who were like plucked out to say, why don't you go run? They just ran anyway. And this is happening now. I think Emily's list has had now 20,000 women raise their hand and say, I'm going to run. It, I mean, it, But it, money does trump everything in politics so
7: far. And how are you going to get funded if you are a woman without any sort of funding behind
14: you? Because I actually, what we're seeing, and everyone here, I hope this is a lesson you take, is like, send money to women who are running. That's so important because I actually believe... It's not the big money that's electing people now. It's people's enthusiasm. And I think that is 100% how these races were won in Virginia. It was not because they were the best funded or they had the the party infrastructure. It's because these women went out and they spoke for their community and they knew their community. And uh, it's just, I think it's an exciting time. Look, I think the theme of this year is the resilience of women. We are not going back. We are not going back. The
7: resilience of women. That is a great place to end. I would just say to you, though. What is your next big battle on the horizon and how can we help you? <laughs> <laughs>
14: um, and I think the be- I mean...
7: Because, I would- you know, you've gone through so much this year, but we're now getting into another year. It's not going to stop the, 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 the attempts to sort of derail most of the stuff you believe yep. in. So
14: what is the next big thing we should be aware about? I mean, the 2018 elections are critical. Absolutely. So people have to actually focus, make sure you're paying attention. We've got to do education. I mean, we're going to be, they're going to try to defund Planned Parenthood again. Um, but look, we just celebrated our 100th anniversary, and we're going to be around for hundred years more. So, I mean, that they can't—they can't put us away. Um, All right. And I was glad—I I know there's a lot of Planned Parenthood leaders here. The Planned Parenthood leadership in this state are, is unbelievable. Um, just opened in my hometown of Waco, Texas, just opened a brand new health center, which is to me just the perfect sort of coda to the attempts to, to shut down Planned Parented. Um, but I think it's, 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 we're all going to have to do a little bit more than we thought, a little bit more than we thought. Um, so, and support other women, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. I think it's a time, this is a time where women are, are in, in, uh, we're feeling our power and the, the, the ground is shaking. The ground Brown is shaking. Yeah. The ground is quaking. Good. <laughs> Thank you so much to see you, absolutely. So good to see you, <laughs> Tina. Thank you. Okay.
1: That lady is evil, and I play it because I think it's very important that we literally know our enemy. And she's an enemy of the American people. She's a liar. She's a fucking ghoul. And she misappropriates federal funds to give chemical abortions, which is against the Hyde Amendment. You're paying for emergency contraceptive kits, 776,000 of them in 2016 alone. 776,000. So know that. Know it. Understand it. It's very important to keep in line with what they're doing. They are people who believe you have the right to free murdering of your baby. How do I know that? Over the years, we've seen some pretty sick stuff from pushed by Planned Parenthood. This may be the sickest yet, Planned Parenthood. DC Campamore, common misconception that the mom who miscarries is a very different person than the woman who aborts, but I'm here to say there is no difference. The screenshot is there because Planned Parenthood deleted the original tweet, but the post they were promoting is still up. I'm miscarrying right now, and it's only strengthening my belief about abortion. Daniela Campamore writes, miscarriage abortions are sisters. Just like my body knew what to do when a normal embryo implanted itself in my uterus, my mind knew what to do when a healthy embryo found its way to the soft lining of my uterine wall back when I was 23 years old in an unhealthy relationship, living paycheck to paycheck, unwilling and able to be a mother. They haven't always synced up, my body and my mind, but even separately, they've known what to do at different times in my life. I do not regret my decision to have abortion. When I held my son for the first time, knowing he was a choice I had made, my belief that abortions had been the right decision years earlier only grew stronger. Here he was, a byproduct of my mind and my body, finally being on the same page, the end result of me being financially, emotionally, physically, and mentally ready to become a mother. But we, as a culture of difficulty acknowledging these complexities and accepting a woman's inalienable right to make her own choices. As Dr. Willie Parker, a Christian abortion provider, puts it, life's work, a moral argument for choice. A pregnancy that intimates a baby is not more sacred than an abortion. We don't become sacred like marriage just because you conceived. And the termination of pregnancy is not the resolution of an error. It is merely one of reproductive outcomes. Responses. Holy shit. What the fuck? No, not anywhere near the same. Gee, I wonder why Planned Parenthood deleted this. There's a huge difference, you assholes. And fuck you for trying to equate the true. All of you pro-life women who have suffered the horrors of a miscarriage are no different than, say, Lena Dunham. This is sick, implying one who had no choice is the same as the one who actually didn't make the choice. Absolutely disgusting, Parent plan, ha, parent, plan parent pact deleted it, but thank goodness screenshot was taken. You should be a same shame, but we know you aren't. Possibly the most insensitive, insane, incorrect thing ever uttered by Planned Parent Pact, and that covers a hell of a lot of stupid shit. And mad man witch, a woman, MGAT, you are inhuman monsters and they are they're monsters how can you equate the two you know why they know that 70 some odd percent of america don't want to pay for abortions they also know that america's not cool with abortions after 22 weeks So they got to find every angle in the world to try to brainwash millennials so they can change a generational thing that it's okay to kill your baby just because you were irresponsible and didn't use birth control that is free. We went through a whole thing of free birth control. It was a constitutional right.
11: They got it.
1: Yet, for some reason, Planned Parenthood, who's supposed to be Planning Parenthood, what a misnomer, aborts 1,096,000 babies a year. 1,096,000. That's insane. So, there's your anti-choice, I guess is what they call me, take on it. Sarah Prahabu. I'm a liberal, and I agree with Sean Hannity that American journalism is dead. The 2016 election opened my eyes to this Truman Show-like media universe we've all been inhabiting. Great article, gotta cover it, then we'll go to news and social media nuggets. I'm a liberal Democrat who didn't realize for a long time that our mainstream media bias for years. I consume news and commentary from my favorite media sites. All liberals, CNN, MSDNC, and New York Times. From time to time, I watched Fox News see the other side was saying, I lived in a kind of information bubble, but like most bubble dwellers, I didn't know I was living in one. Ironically, the 2016 election opened my eyes to the Truman Show, the media universe we've all been inhabiting. My awakening came accidentally when I realized in 2016 that I just couldn't support Hillary Clinton. I thought Clinton was arrogant, entitled, corrupt, and dishonest. I couldn't believe the Democratic Party would nominate someone who was the subject of an FBI investigation. But as 2016 rolled on, I became quietly incensed. I couldn't help noticing repeatedly that the mainstream media was shielding and enabling Clinton in a disassembling and media avoidance. I noticed that the commentators at CNN, MSDNC, and the New York Times either ignored or made light of Clinton's many problem areas. The private email server, compromising of state secrets, and the questionable multi-million dollar donations to the Clinton Foundation. Yes, the Times broke the story in 2015 about Clinton's personal email account, but I'm talking here about his 2016 treatment of her candidacy. Ironically, had I been a Clinton supporter, I'd have likely been blind to the media bias. To be clear, I'm not talking about individual reporting, which is usually great, but a persistent institutional bias that colors almost all coverage and commentary. Then I couldn't unsee the bias. Once you become aware of something, you keep seeing it all the time. So I almost every time I watched or read something, I saw the media bias and the way headlines were framed and what they chose to cover and the way they devoted the barest minimum time to Clinton's problems. To be sure, the media on the right is often biased as well. The degree with which Sean Hannity carries water for Trump is amusing to watch. But the mainstream media bias is something else, and it affects me personally. It leaves me feeling angry, betrayed, and frustrated. As an immigrant from India, blah, 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 I don't care. As an avid media consumer, I expect from journalists' objective, objective honest, fair-minded presentations and analyst analysis of all the facts available in any situation without taking sides. Commentators and pundits, of course, can take sides, but they're still expected to be fair, honest, and rational. It is what I, as a part-time opinion columnist, try to do when I write for my city paper. The minute journalists take sides and favor one side over the other and try to actively affect a desired outcome, they lose credibility with their viewers and readers. Once lost, that credibility can't be regained. The election of 2016 was a blizzard of bias. Throughout Throughout it, I watched with increasing trepidation what was happening to American journalism. Many media organizations decided to suspend normal journalistic practices to save the republic from Trump, who they believed was a danger to the democracy. I agree that Trump is a danger to democracy norms, but think journalists seriously harmed their institution by entering the fray. Some examples... The Times' left-leaning columnist wrote mostly anti-Trump columns for much of 2016 and acted like Hillary's problems were happening in a galaxy far, far away. Paul Krugman especially lost credibility in my eyes for literally becoming Hillary's shill in 16, insisting repeatedly that her email troubles were overblown and right-wing concoction. Mm Mm-hmm. Just wasn't Krugman. I couldn't bear to watch Maddo and still can't. She's a fine journalist who has a wide knowledge and com- com- command of the facts, but a relentless overdone partisanship was way, way too much. Things got so bad that the Times issued a post-election letter to subscribers saying they look forward to redacting ourselves. <laughs> That's what they said. Redi- redi- redacting, rededicating ourselves to the fundamental mission of Times journalism. But it was too late at least for me. Things got even worse after the election. The mainstream media, shamed and humbled by Trump's election victory, decided to attack him with a vengeance on everything he said and did. They didn't actually have to overdo it. By virtue of his personality, Trump gave them a lot of material, and they'd have been fine if they covered his flaws and missteps up straight up. But they overplayed their hand, and not a little. Many mainstream journalists have become a little grandoisse. They've joined the resistance and see themselves as grand defenders of the democracy, as brave protectors of norms and institutions. The result is, you see, a lot of preening, grandstanding, boundary-crossing journalism. She goes into the Donald Brazil accusations were big news, but nobody covered it. She ends her article with, I didn't go to a fancy journalism school, and I don't even have a journalism degree. But I know enough to realize that what is happening is bad. And that when the media self-divide into rabid partisan camps, citizens suffer and democracy suffers. When Sean Hannity says journalism has has died in America, I agree with him. Now, for the all-out losers out there, who think any liberal that would write that is no liberal. Well, she's a liberal from Tennessee. That's why I reside here. I decided to live in a state that actually has some fucking common sense instead of going back to Oregon where there's a cause a day. There's protests everywhere everywhere. And Antifa beats people up. But you spot on. So I once again say to Chuck Toad, you're a liar. You're an outright liar. There is nothing but quantifiable factual proof with sound bites, story after story. There has never been a time in our republic That the media has been so adversarial to a president. And there's never been a time in my lifetime that a media has rooted so hard and worked to make a president fail. To a music break and news and social media nuggets.
12: Poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reid.
16: Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away.
10: Stop. Stop.
7: Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes
12: your host lose his mind.
15: ball game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics
6: it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance
14: right see two. these girls choose the choose.
6: Yep. no you don't those are women you call them girls and no, they'll pop your figs save the
10: whales Daddy's in the military now no, it
1: all right. Military corner without a bumper. I think I'm going to get rid of that. I got too many bumpers and that's bumping, but I had an article, a brutal history of Army Navy football game. I'm going to cover a couple things before we go into coverage of it. Uh, but know that this got for 115 years, 115 games and 100, what was it? Let me see. Let me say this right. After 134 years, uh, this has been a staple of a, for 115 of it. All right. It was 1890. The first game was a challenge. According to the New York Times article published November 30th, 1890, calls to splice the man, main brace signaled for Navy to create a hole in the center of the army line, take the ship and all these weird things. I mean, this thing goes on that it's been brutal for the beginning of time. All right. It, it's, It's been brutal. And for Army, 13 games until last December. And then this year, it was for the Commander's Cuff. And they won. Army won 14-13. Great game. Watched it. It was fantastic. And I want to read a part of a WAPO article. Army versus Navy is about more than a game, even when it's as good as this. Our Navy... Is always about moments to go beyond the actual playing a football game. Even one as melodramatic as Saturday was in the snowstorm at Lincoln Financial Field. The two most memorable football moments will be Army quarterback Ahmad Bradshaw squeezing in the end zone with five ten left for what proved to be the winning touchdown and Benning Mowring's forty eight yard field goal attempt veering wide left as the cannons went off to single the end of the game. The score tells a story of a remarkable game, one in which neither team committed a turnover despite brutal weather. For a long time, it looked as if the Navy quarterback, Malcolm Perry, who rushed for 250 yards and comes from Clarksville, Tennessee, would be the story of a long day's journey into a wintry night. But in the end, as the jubilant Army players exchanged hugs with the devastated Navy players, was about more than the final score, more even than Army finally winning the Commanders-in-Chief Trophy for the first time in 21 years and Navy going home empty-handed after becoming so achingly close to reclaiming the trophy after a one-year absence. Beyond that... It was about Army players lining up one by one before the playing of the alma mater to tell Perry what a remarkable player he is. It was about Scott Swanson, who has been Army's strength coach for the past 20 seasons, leaning forward as the Navy band began to play Navy Blue and Gold to tap Black Knight's freshman Camden Harrison on the head to tell him to remove his talking cap. Swanson did have to say a word. Harrison understood right away, regardless of the weather, no one wears anything on their head when the alma maters are played. It also was about the jubilant Army locker room when Coach Jeff Monken, who had made Army football matter again, presented the game ball to U.S. Military Academy Superintendent Robert L. Kaslin, who was retiring at the end of the school year. Caslin was a 185-pound center for Army while he was a cadet and is about hard-nosed as anyone will meet in life. And yet, seconds earlier, he had stood on a stool and told the players he planned to hang the 170-pound CIC trophy on the front of his car Sunday for the drive up the New Jersey Turnpike back to West Point. He was smiling almost when he said it, but he was clearly a bit choked up when Monken handed him the game ball there might have even been just a little tiny tear drop in the corner of his eyes. It's tradition. It's just tradition beyond anything you can see in a sport. It is tradition. And it's football like it used to be. And when I went to Bleacher Report and I went through all the tweets that people were talking about, you know what? Invariably, it all came back to this is what football should be. So before I move on from Army Navy, I have to say Robert L. Caslin is a brigade commander I worked for and he is a fantastic leader he once while i was on leave pulled me in to give me an honor from the 502nd infantry regiment and make me a distinguished member of the regiment something i still hang on my wall but years later i ran into him and he got tied up into that gay on gay bashing that happened in fort campbell that we've talked about on the show and Because of the lion of the Senate, this man waited forever to make one star. Because somehow it was his fault that a gay guy killed a gay guy over a transgender woman guy thing. He had a heartbreak. Took him a long time to get his rank. All because of a politician that doesn't know his ass from a hole in the ground and left a girl to die in a creek. So it always circles back with the military to the fact the men and women that serve in our country's uniforms invariably have more honor than our politicians, more accountability than our politicians. Yet in our country, people like this, and I I can't download the sound because I'd love to, this is Sarah Silverman, and I'm putting it in the military section because this is the difference between anybody who served and anybody the media believes is a hero. And it's going to sound shitty because I can't really get it good, but listen to this. No, I don't listen to this because this, this is an ad that I guess we're going to have to listen to for 20 seconds. So I'm going to pause for 20 seconds
10: and then we'll listen to this.
12: I went outside to see what he was doing and he was uh, hoisting an American flag up the flagpole in his front yard. And I instantly felt very weird. Uh, It didn't make sense, but I felt this feeling of like, um, I felt scared. Yeah, I felt scared. And so I was like, uh, what are you doing? And he said, raising the flag. And I was like, why? And he's like, "Um, because I love America. And I was like, right right of course but inside I was shaken and uh then I calmly walked to my car and I got inside and I called my sister Susie to tell her what happened now maybe you're thinking what do you mean what happened nothing happened your boyfriend put an American flag up at his own house no you're totally right I had no idea why I was freaking out I just I had this very visceral reaction And my sister, who knows shit because she's a rabbi in Israel, explained to me, she was like, dude, nationalism is innately terrifying for Jews. Think about it. Flags, marching, blind allegiance. These things tend to ring a bell for us. Right. Of course. Duh. It made sense.
1: There you go. That pretty much sums up our country in a nutshell. So for Sarah Silverman, when She was looking on that field yesterday with young men standing at attention, respecting the flag, people crying at the end. She doesn't get it. Ted Kennedy talking poorly about General Kaslin, who had nothing to do, just like a mayor has nothing to do with somebody murdering somebody. He doesn't get it. Colin Kaepernick... Will never get it. They don't get it because they don't have to pay anything. They don't have to pay a price to be an American. They don't sacrifice anything. But the people in uniform do. Every fucking day. They pay a price. So they may not be happy with America. They may think Trump's a douchebag. But at the end of the day, they paid for their citizenship while the people that hate this country and get scared because they saw a flag, do nothing but pay lip service to this nation. So, there's my take on the Army Navy game. U.S. moves to block transgender military recruits from signing up. The Pentagon's getting hot on that. I agree 100%. F-22 Raptor pilot had to say about a Russian SU stealth fighter. After watching an F-22 Raptor twist and turn last week during an impressive demonstration at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, we asked the 1st Fighter Wing commander if he worried about the Russia's new Su-57 stealth fighter. It's always good to be chased, Colonel Jason Hines, commander of the 1st Fighter Wing, told Business Insider. When people are trying to beat you, you know you got an impressive airplane. Russia's Tata's new Su-57, which is still undergoing testing, and is yet to mass produce a superior to the U.S. F-22 Raptor, while many have called it a question of its stealth capabilities. Moscow claims the Su-57 is a fifth-generation fighter, and that it hopes it turns into a sixth-generation fighter. I don't know what they're trying to call it. Heinz says I can tell you that any time you're going into combat, you got to be concerned about whatever the adversary brings, whether it's a fourth-gen or fifth-gen. You got to be ready for both. But at the end, he said, "I'm not concerned. I'll tell you that because the F-22." is the bomb hmm here's another one since we had thanksgiving and we're about to go into christmas i always get blown away by these stats because even though when i was overseas i was lucky enough to have thanksgiving in a mess hall a lot of people are overseas in the bush or the box and i've always wondered how much food does the army navy air force and marines come up with And here it is. Navy. According to the Navy, they're ready to fill stomachs across the fleet with 9,000 pounds of shrimp, 89,000 pounds of turkey, 24,000 pounds of ham, 18,000 pounds of sweet potatoes, 17,000 pounds of stuffing, and 1,800 gallons of gravy. For the vegetarians in the fleet, there'll be 8,000 pounds of green bean casserole and 7,000 pounds of corn and 6,000 pounds of cranberry sauce. What about the Army? Fort Benning, a time-honored tradition, continues with senior officers and NCOs wearing their dress blue uniforms serve soldiers for Thanksgiving meal. For those laymen out there, that's not at Benning, that's at everywhere. Platoon sergeants, 1st sergeants, commanders, lieutenants, we all serve the troops and we eat last. This week I'll have a city Christmas party. I won't eat a fucking Tic Tac until my people eat. I've always done that, even though it's silly and I'm in the civilian world and I should just get mine. But that's the way we were brought up and that's how we are. Fort Benning has 14 dining facilities, will serve over 12,000 meals, that means 5,000 pounds of turkey, 3,000 pounds of ham, those partaking... Of the feast include soldiers, retirees, and family members. The Marines, they fed 413 families, hosted 1,384 young Marines in their home. Air Force, the Air Force is a similar program. Airmen in the San Antonio area had the opportunity to be adopted for the day. The program, which was started 42 years ago, is called Operation Home Cooking. More than 1,400 local families take 2,400 airmen to their dog gone House And the Coast Guard, little cousin, is not only serving Thanksgiving dinner, they are sharing the recipes. No need to call Butterball Hotline. Just use the recipe from roast turkey prepared by Chief Petty Officer Ben Murray. Don't forget the stuffing prepared by Chief Petty Officer Megan Mullins. And what about those military members deployed this year? The Defense Logistic Agency has it covered. Over the Middle East, deployed service members and Department of Defense civilians will be fed with DFACs serving up to over 9,800 pounds of turkey, 4,700 pounds of beef, 31,000 pounds of ham, 30 pounds of shrimp, 6,000 pies, 9,000 cakes. So that's a review of what they did for Thanksgiving. I'll see if I can find a similar order for Christmas. But I will say some of my fondest Thanksgivings were in a DFAC Both times, I was in the Republic of Korea. To the crazy. All right, to the college crazy. Professor calls right-wing reporting a form of violence. And in a recent open letter, 11 professors complain of violence directed at scholars by Trump-inspired right-wing individuals and groups. The letter singles out the college fix, campus reform, reporting on the controversial statements and activities of several professors, such as Trinity College professor Johnny Eric Williams. So let me get this straight. You can say right wing people should die, soldiers should die, everybody should die, but somebody reports on it and that's the violence. Oh, really? Another professor, the modern GOP is nothing but white supremacy. Oh, yeah, baby. Virginia Tech professor declared Monday that the modern GOP is nothing but a white supremacy response to leadership squabble with the college Republican chapter. After the others use other users criticized the tweet, Matthew Gabriel followed up by tweeting that a lot of white dudes have found this tweet and they are proving once again that the right is so bad at trolling other white dudes. And Matthew Gabriel, it's on his Twitter. The modern GOP is nothing but white supremacy. And he has tenure. Okay. It works though. You know, it just works when, when you can't win the argument because you're fucking insane. Just call him a sexist or a racist. It works so well for the left. Another professor gives extra credit for attending a drag show event. A drag show. Seriously. Professor at Miracosta College offered her anthropology. 102 students, extra credit for attending an on-campus LGBT ed talk featuring oral presentation and drag shows. Other extra credit options included social justice symposium and a lecture on climate change, leading one student to complain that the professor forces her political views on the class. And
16: she does. That's okay. You want to know
1: what other professors think? Here it comes. Eating meat perpetuates hegemonic masculinity. Eating meat. Seriously. You people have fucking problems. Let's move on to other crazy, mysterious condition dubbed scromiting hits weed smokers across the U.S. Scromiting is becoming an all too familiar sight in emergency rooms. A condition called cannabinoid hypermesis syndrome or CHS, is not yet properly understood. Medical experts believe the symptoms appear from individuals using or consuming heavy amounts of the chronic. Doctors note that the condition could stem from body being oversaturated saturated saturated by THC affecting a hypothalamus. Dr. Amy Mullen said she has seen a rise in cases since California legalized recreational marijuana. So what is scrommeting? Screaming and vomiting. Hmm. That's that's new. I didn't know there was a thing called scrambling. This one's funny. Delta flight, bathrooms fill up, pilot makes emergency pit stop for passengers. Delta says ground crews roll the stairway to the airplane so passengers disembark to find relief of built-in pressures. The Delta flight from New York City to Seattle to make a stop in Billing, Montana after the plane's toilet filled up. They fixed the toilets. They kept on a-moving. Good for them. Good for them. And another fa- funny animal one, Service Dog caused chaos at Cat's Performance. <laughs> Spies at the Neil Simon Theater tell us an audience member, Service Dog, got away from his owner and ran after the character, Bomblerina, Performed by actress Mackenzie Warren during the opening number. Luckily, a fast-moving usher intervened and returned the wayward canine to its mortified mortified owner. Can you think of that poor dog? See a fucking gigantic cat and go, oh my god, it must be killed. I thought that was funny. An asteroid that could obliterate New York City skimmed past Earth. And nobody noticed until past. That's fucking crazy. And this is freaking sad. Skydiving Santa crashes in a tree pole before hitting Florida Beach. St. Nick was carrying Elf on the Shelf. Skydiving Santa, looking to make a grand entrance while taking an Elf on the Shelf to a 9-year-old girl, crashed in a tree and light pole before hitting a Florida Beach and breaking his leg. George Crocus was dressed as Santa Claus during a Saturday skydive to deliver toys to the Tampa Bay Beach Bums Operation Santa Charity Volleyball Tournament. He'll live not too happy other sad christmas stuff this is just fucking horrible my six-year-old santa skeptic was told to write a letter to santa so he did dear santa santa i'm not going i'm not doing this for the class i know your naughty list is empty your good list is empty and he spelled empty e-m-t-y and your life is empty you don't know the trouble i've had in my life goodbye love i'm not telling you my name Margin art wreaths and skulls. Why would a parent be happy with that? There are so many parents on that bandwagon. Tell them the truth. Don't tell them that there is a sin. What is fucking wrong with you? You're the same crowd that doesn't want to inoculate people. And you're the same crowd that want this. Women to look up to. A UK-based brand that shines a light on modern feminine role model is offering this year a Hillary Clinton Christmas tree topper, complete with angel wings. Celebrate Resistmas this year with these badass women on top of your child's tr- or your Christmas tree. It is Venus Williams, Beyonce, and Hillary. Clinton. To the article, and this is real. This is why I keep saying cult. She's an actual angel in human form, as is Serena, Michelle Obama, Oprah, and you can have them all decorating your festive fur because nonprofit organization Women To Look Up To has made a load of 3D figurines of inspiring women. Every Christmas we place a topper made of no more than plastic and glitter on top of a tree, they say. For many, she has lost her meaning, which is why Women To Look Up To has created a range of modern female role models to place on top instead. These are women worthy of wings, inspire inspirational icons, beautiful beacons of hope. People had the chance to vote for which woman would be made in a festive figurine from Form and WTLUT decided on Beyonce, Serena, I'm sorry, I said it was Venus, and Hillary Clinton. They're now being sold online for, and you can also get a topper made of your own inspirational woman. We can create your very own special someone Christmas t- Angel tree topper, he said. The person needs to be available to visit our London studio for 3D scanning. End the article with this is an election. Hillary Clinton actually won. The initial offering comprised figures of Serena and Beyonce. The third to be decided popular vote. Clinton came on top, and now she can top your Christmas tree instead of an angel. We know what we're getting, Peter Dow for Christmas. People's responses. Wake me up when it's over. Must you corrupt everything? The Clinton one. You can smell corruption right off the top of the tree. That's some cult. Crazy fucking shit. And if anybody out there on the left or right thinks any politician's an actual angel should adore the top of your tree, you need to be kicked in the face by a mule. To are lighter fire. To a lighter fair! Ranger Up does a great one called The Navy Talk, when your kid wants to join the Navy, and the next PSA, and the person to take over the mantle for Keith Oberman, oh, you guessed it, Alec Baldwin.
15: Hey, Dad? Yeah? Do you have a minute? Sure, come sit down. So, I've been wanting to talk to you about something for a while now. Let me stop you right there. Your mom and I have known for a long time. It's okay. What? It's 2017. You know, there's no need to be nervous. We love you no matter what. What are you saying? We know you're gay. Uh, I'm, I'm not gay. Come on. You walk around in lycra outfits, and you talk with that silly little voice like you're gay. I wrestle... And I'm English.
10: Yeah.
15: I'm not gay. Hey, uh, calm down. You're starting to sound a little bit like a homophobe, and you're making me uncomfortable. What I wanted to talk to you about is, you know how we have been talking about me going into the military? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, my buddies and I have been talking about it, like, are you going to be an infantryman? Are you going to be a scout? Maybe armor? Like, I think I want to go Navy. I'm sorry. It must be the, the, the hearing from being in the infantry, but... Did you just say uh, that you want to go Navy? I think I want to go Navy. Look, um, this is just a phase that you're going through. We need to get together. We need to pray on this. God, there's camps. There are camps you can go to. And every time that you see, uh, like, a ship, they shock you. And, and like, after, after three three to six months, you will you will be so army, it's not even funny. You'll get this Navy phase right out of your life. What do you think? I could be a Navy SEAL. Do you have nine different hair care products? No. Can you balance a ball on your nose? No, you're not a Navy SEAL. Okay, then what about a Marine? Do you like the taste of crayons? No. How about having the same mission as the Army, but using Vietnam-era weapons? Does that sound fun? No, you're not a Marine. There's got to be some job I can do in the Navy. Yeah, there's something you can do in the Navy embarrass this family. Why don't you think about what you've done?
12: Hey. Hey. Listen. We're really proud of you.
10: We love you for who you are.
12: What you did was really brave.
10: And your dad, he'll get over it in time. It takes big balls to come out of semen. We love you. I
15: didn't see man. I'm going army.
10: Go army. Go army. Go
0: army. Go army. Go army.
10: Go army. Yeah. (laughs) Why?
15: Don't judge the entire Navy because one pilot drew an inappropriate image in the sky. That's actually the coolest thing the Navy's ever
11: done. Donald Trump is in big trouble, and he knows it. Last week, one of his former top staff, Michael Flynn, pleaded guilty to lying to the FBI about working with Russia on behalf of the Trump team. He's the first Trump official to be charged with a crime in the investigation into collusion between the Trump campaign and the Russian government during the 2016 presidential election. Remember Flynn? He was one of Trump's biggest allies on the campaign trail and went on to become his national security advisor, one of the top positions in the White House. Trump has always been worried about Flynn getting into trouble for his communications with Russia. According to former FBI Director James Comey, Trump told him, quote, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. He is a good guy. I hope you can let this go, comey didn't. Trump also told Comey to stop the FBI's investigation into Russian collusion in the 2016 election, when he wouldn't, Trump fired Comey. Regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey, knowing there was no good time to do it. And in fact, when I decided to just do it, it to myself, I said, you know, this Russia thing with Trump and Russia is a made up story. What is Trump so scared of us knowing And why was Flynn lying to the FBI in the first place? That's what Special Counsel Robert Mueller is working to find out. After Trump fired Comey, Mueller was appointed to oversee the investigation, and it's gaining steam. In addition to Flynn, three other Trump campaign officials have been charged so far. As the investigation gets closer to Trump and his family, he may try again to interfere and obstruct justice just like he fired FBI Director Comey, now he could fire Special Counsel Robert Mueller or pardon his aides or his essay. We can't let this happen. Congress is our last line of defense. That's where you come in. We need you to call your member of Congress today and ask them to go on record stating if Trump interferes with Mueller's investigation, they would vote to impeach Trump. There's no time to waste. Congress needs to hear from you today. Text ACT to 21333 to connect it to your representative right now. Wow. Colt!
1: So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share this with your family and friends. Send comments by email at foppodcast at gmail.com, foppodcast at gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at com. Fop podcast.com it's a theme there you'll see links to feeds for the show links to our facebook page and to email us you'll also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page next podcast will be the 13th of december year of our lord 2017 the wife will be on the road i'll have plenty of time to knock one out enjoy the rest of your weekend have a great work week get your doggone halls decked get in the christmas spirit and as we head out, as always, thank you so much for listening, and take
16: care. I'm of a white Christmas. Christmas, with every Christmas card I write, may your days be merry.